0: Welcome aboard the Battleship for I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, Yes. how are you doing? Elated. Okay, why is that?
1: Multiple reasons. Okay. We have a great uh, topic and a great guest that yeah. what I want to get to. But maybe even more important sure. is that one of our Aussie listeners yeah, finally came through for us. Yeah. Really, really came through. I want to thank Josh from Down Under there yeah. because he... Brought me. He brought you a boomerang. Yeah. So so you can cosplay as that character from Suicide Squad. Sure. And he brought me... I don't remember his name. What was his name? (laughs) I don't know. I didn't see the movie. (laughs) Uh, He brought me a sack full of cherry ripes, which is I have mentioned multiple times on the podcast. And I know we have plenty of listeners in Australia mentioned multiple times. I love cherry ripes. They're my favorite candy bar that I can't get here. Mm -hmm. And uh, anytime an Australian uh, listener wants to send me cherry ripes Um, and Josh went above and beyond brought me cherry ripes and some other cadbury yeah. australia treats it so, was a
0: big bag just full of cherry rice uh, for you
1: yeah so the uh, gauntlet has been thrown other australian listeners <laughs> yeah <laughs> try to live up to josh's example yeah no but in all honesty, send me thank- more boomerangs uh, maybe i'll just collect boomerangs yeah. now yeah um in all honesty thank you josh for bringing for sending me um australian candies that i can't get here that's very exciting i'm a big fan of that um and then uh, you all. Well, we have uh, other uh, announcements. That's right. You and I have been been spending way too much time together lately. <laughs> Part Boy. of that is uh, this recent, uh, this this most recent Saturday, or I guess two Saturdays ago from when you're hearing this. Um, we because uh, another Saturday will have passed by the time. Oh, that's true. Uh, this yes, goes up. Uh, we spent all day watching zombie movies with some of our closest friends, mm-hmm. and uh, we recorded uh, a marathon of zombie movie commentaries. That's it's right. the uh, the first three of the Romero. Um, dead movies that's yes. Night of the Living Dawn and Day. Yes. And then we watched uh Zack Snyder 2004 Dawn of the Dead remake um as a sort of a uh I don't know <laughs> to bring us <this> back down. <laughs> Was that like a come down? Well, you know <laughs> what?
0: Here's the thing. When, when I, when I decided on that one, I did not anticipate it being a come down because I had positive memories of it. Yeah. I think you did as well. Yeah. And then you watch, and it's like, Oh, not it, as good as
1: I recall. Well, it's kind of downhill after that, uh, that, uh, that opening is, uh, uh, that's up there with, fantastic. Like, uh, it, uh, it, yeah, it might,
0: it might be the best filmmaking he's ever done.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But, uh, all of these commentaries are now available. You can support us by, um, you know, when I, uh, like we used to be. We're not uh, saying, you know, uh, hat in hand. We're not saying, please donate. Like maybe we'll send you something if you win a raffle or whatever. Yeah. Now we are producing content that you can support the show with. That's right. So you can get, how long is this? Um, what does this come to? About eight, uh, uh, a little under? Seven and a half, eight hours. Seven, seven and a half, like eight hours. Um, the commentaries are three bucks a piece. Or if you're smart, you just pay ten for the whole lot, exactly. which saves you three bucks by my or two, two bucks, two bucks by my uh, shoddy math, uh, and also that's the way that uh, God intended for you to hear it because exactly. we recorded them. We recorded them all in a row for a reason, so that you can really feel the uh, desperation and the psychosis sink in by the end of the fourth movie. I
0: had a listener. Uh, I think it was our Alien, our Alien commentaries, and, and I think he decided to start with um, Alien Three and it's like that is a weird call for a bunch of reasons yeah. one why would you ever start with <laughs> it's alien the 3 worst for <laughs> and, the worst movie and two by that time, we have firmly established the jokes that we are going to beat into the ground, and you got to be there from you know from the jump. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so those are available at BattleshipRetention dot com. Uh, it's ten dollars for the lot, or three dollars individually if you like. Um, this is a way to support the show. A lot a really a lot of really good guests. Uh, yeah, we is, had a
1: really good time. I don't want to like denigrate yeah. our other marathon commentaries. Yeah. We had a blast.
0: Doing this this one, one due to honestly due to a scheduling snafu on my part because i've been dropping the ball all over the place lately uh it turned into more of a party atmosphere that i was not expecting it was a lot of fun and it it flew by it
1: did it did yeah so you uh, can definitely they'll fly by for you too i'm sure um, nah, can't keep and then that. you have, Oh, we have another announcement that I'm super excited about.
0: Yeah. So we the have BP fleet. We have a new addition to the battleship retention podcasting fleet. Uh, a friend of the show, Mariah Gates, uh, has just started a new podcast. She, I believe a- as of the day of recording, she is one episode in, uh, and it is called female filmmaker Friday. That's three F's. Uh, it, we will be posting it on Fridays. Um, and which, uh, she will obviously talk about a female filmmaker, uh, one every week and so start episode one jane campion and so i'm very excited for this
1: i'm so excited because we had mariah on the show twice and then she up and moved to atlanta yeah. and i felt like oh we're gonna miss out on having mariah on the show and that's still true but now mariah still gets to be a part of the exactly MVP family i'm super excited uh she's great she's super smart she knows a ton about yeah. movies and this is uh an awesome uh Facet of the fleet to have this. This yeah, uh, because we don't really do the
0: auteur thing much anymore. Like the auteur cast ended, so we don't really follow directors. But and then with this having a very specific focus, I think is very interesting. So, uh, okay, I think that is as far as as far as announcements. That's basically it. I have one at the end, but that's not that big of a deal. Yeah, people already already know about it. So uh, okay, so let's get into our sponsors, and then we will get into the the meat of the episode.
1: All right, pay these bills. This episode still buy the. (laughs) By the commentaries. Yes,
0: that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, we spent this money a long time ago. Uh, <laughs>
1: gotta keep them lights on.
0: All right. So this episode is brought to you by MUBI, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, MUBI's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only five ninety nine a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Currently showing on movie is Judy Irving's The Wild Parrots of Telegraph Hill, the documentary about the unusual phenomenon of a flock of wild parrots that found their way to San Francisco's North Beach and... Uh, the way they befriended a homeless musician uh it's a very strange uh but it, uh, but an award-winning uh, documentary uh this film and more are available at movie.com, and there is also a special offer for you the listener of battleship pretension you can try movie free for one month just go to movie.com, that's m-u-b-i.com slash battleship to redeem
1: now and i also want to tell you about Tweaked tweakedaudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of uh, stylish styles and very colorful colors. Uh, they look great and they sound great. Um, Tyler and I are big fans of tweaked audio, uh, and they're available at tweakedaudio.com at a low, low price. But if you uh, put in the extra elbow grease and use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that already low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Tyler? Yes. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. All right. Well, uh, why don't you introduce both our topic and our guest?
0: Okay. So, our topic uh, is that uh, beginning o- in August, we put out a, a survey. Not so much a survey, but a, and then not even a poll, but we just threw it out to our listeners to submit uh, five actors and five actresses that they th- thought belonged on the top 25 each uh, Actors and actresses of all time. And so I tallied them up. We, uh, I, I gathered uh, these submissions throughout all of August. And then midnight August 31st, or I guess midnight Septem- uh, September 1st, I tallied them up. And uh, we are revealing this week,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we are revealing the finalized list of the top 25 actors next week. Right. It'll be the top 25 actresses.
2: And
1: so to be I'm, clear... This is because actor comes before actress alphabetically. We're not making any judgment calls about which one deserves to be in which order. Actor comes before actress alphabetically. That's the only, that's the most fair way to order this.
0: David, I'm the one that organized this, and I'm saying that, uh, come on. We know. We all know. All right. So, um, anyway, but... We have uh, a very
1: exciting guest to help us count down these 25.
0: Absolutely. David, I haven't acted in years. And it was a long time before you, since you won that uh, award for acting in that Chekhov play.
1: Right? This was an inside my own high school drama club award. I was yeah. only competing against <laughs> other people in the drama club. But you and know yet? what? I, but you beat them, didn't you? I did win an award my drama club for uh, appearing as the father in the Chekhov one-act, uh, the marriage proposal. Um, it was a period piece, of course, being sure. Chekhov. I had a mohawk <laughs> because the actor who was supposed to be in it got suspended for bringing a cell phone to school, oh, so, wow. yeah, which is something you can totally do now, I think, yeah. uh, but for having a cell phone to school, he got suspended, and the rules say no extracurricular curricular activities when you're suspended. Yeah. I was the stage manager, so I knew all the lines, so I stepped in, played checkoff with a mohawk, and won uh, an award. <laughs> Sorry, you were introducing our guest. It's a, no, it's a wonderful story. I love did
3: it. You, did you win anything for your victory, or was it more just an on-paper moral I I victory? I gotten
1: one of those little souvenir— fake Oscars oh, wow.
3: that uh, it said world's greatest action. Like yeah.
1: And I, I want, to, this could have been just, could just be, uh, uh, re, you know, revising my own memories. I want to say somebody put a Mohawk on it, but I could be wrong. Oh, that's <laughs> neat. Um, maybe so, I did
0: that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, but the point is, Look, I haven't acted in a long time. You haven't acted in a long time. Mm -hmm. You, you know, one and done. You, you're, it's like Charles Lawton with Knight of the Hunter. You made your mark.
1: Although that's actually not true, but okay.
0: Oh, really? Well, we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Uh, So I don't feel qualified to talk about these actors. We needed to bring in one of our favorite actors of all time. A guy that, frankly, I'm frustrated did not make this list. Uh, it is Stephen Tobolowski. Stephen, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing great, Tyler. I'm doing great. That introduction kind of stings, doesn't oh, it? Oh. No, I'm that sorry. I wasn't on the list. But I'm I, sorry. I, that's okay. That's okay. I'll deal. Uh, let me, let me I, kept, just, I
0: kept suggesting it, and I, then no, I <laughs> <laughs> threw it in a couple of times just on paper.
3: I think the pretension listeners need to know... This about me. Okay. And this is something you guys don't even know. Oh, watch out. This is something I just found out. Oh. Uh, you know, I just finished doing this, this uh, series for Netflix. Uh, this isn't really a promo, but it is kind of. Okay. Uh, one Day at a Time with Norman Lear. It gets released in January. Okay, that's not the point. The okay. point is <laughs> right. that somewhere between episode one and episode 13, my pants... <laughs> no longer fit. My my Not only my pants, my costume pants would fall off during the scenes, but also my pants that I came to the studio with uh, would fall off. And I went to the costume shop and I said, why is this happening? I'm thinking maybe on the upside that I had lost some weight sure. in my waist yeah. and and I need It needed... sounds
1: like you're saying some uh, denigrating things about the craft service of no. this <laughs> <No>. particular Netflix <laughs> series. No, I'm
3: not I'm not going to cross that line. You <laughs> n- you never make fun of the people who bring you food. <laughs> right. But uh what the customer told me straight up was You've lost your ass. So, between episodes I was going to comment. Episode... and, And it fits into our discussion today. Okay. Because this is a list of actors, and I think the people who listen should know. I am of an age where a man... Will lose his ass <laughs> and he will lose his ass between episode one and episode 13. I mean, it sure. happens fast. Uh-huh. So if you're my age and you're out there and my age is closer to a hundred than it is to one, <laughs> I look at this list and I see that you have uh, a younger clientele because in my heart and mind and soul, I see that there are a lot of people from my generation did not make the list and maybe we'll talk about that. Sure. Huh. That's that's fine with me.
1: Now what I want to know is in the production of this Netflix show, as you lost your ass, did they have to treat you like an actress who gets pregnant and like yeah. constantly hide you behind countertops or
3: did they stuff? write it in? <laughs> no. Uh, they gave me a new belt <laughs> okay. that said they said it had an extra hole in it but it didn't. So I had to keep pulling my pants up before I went on and then I had to make sure that I kept my legs wide enough apart to where they wouldn't <laughs> Just fall to the ground.
0: So, wow. What kind of budget did they not have that they're like, hey, we can get you some new costume pants. Uh, it's no <laughs> well, problem. It,
3: it's, a matter, it's a matter of putting a dart in the right place, but I guess they just didn't have the time. It was sure. kind of an... Sure. And, and you know, they probably wanted to get it back to the costume house in one piece. But point being... Yeah. Uh, first of all, guys out there, health warning, beware. Sure. <laughs> it happens. Can't do anything about it. And two... There are people on this list that are missing.
1: Sure, yeah. absolutely. But um, I'll let
3: you guys take well, it this away. Is, this well, is going to actually-
1: be a bit of an awkward... Transition, Uh-oh. but I did want to bring up before we got into this
3: list something that, more um, awkward than the pants.
1: No, this yeah, this is something a little bit of a downer. Since we did this last episode, uh, the actor John Polito has passed away, yeah. and this is a character actor that uh, uh, Tyler and I have been big fans of for, right. uh, for a long time. Which I mean, you kind of couldn't help be a big fan of him if you're a Coen Brothers fan because he's uh, he's all over. Played him. some very memorable roles, especially in Miller's Crossing, is a big one. The man who wasn't there. He's got a very small role, but memorable role in The Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah. Um, and of course, I also know him because of me being the age I am and the things I was into at the time, as the pawn shop owner from The Crow, <laughs> yeah. which is a, a movie I watched a ton of times when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this was yeah this is the uh, it, uh, this is a very sad loss. He'd recently done a lot of uh, uh, appearances on Modern Family, a recurring yeah. character. Um, I'm, I was a big fan, and I wanted to mention. him. Did you know John Polito at all? I
3: didn't know him personally. I knew his work. I'm a big mm-hmm. Coen Brothers fan myself. Yeah. It, yeah, I I didn't know he had passed away. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. No. It was uh, about a week
0: ago at this point, I'd say.
1: he was like the day after we recorded our last episode, yeah. uh, which is why we didn't mention it last yeah. week. Yeah, he was...
0: Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, and I, th- I think he was fairly young as well. I think he was uh, in, his, in his 60s. 60s. Early yeah. 60s, yeah. So it's a, that's a very sad thing. I remember yeah. I saw him at a, at a grocery store that was near my Blockbuster. Oh. And uh, I'm kicking myself now for not going up and saying, hey, I'm a huge fan of yours. But, but I was in
3: my uniform and stuff. You let know. me just say this in terms of sad. Okay. Uh, he did what he loved. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he was good at it. He was successful at it, and he kept doing it for his entire life. And that is a blessing. Yeah, yeah. and that is rare. So, uh, what what I tell people, you know, when you start a show, there's always closing night. Mm-hmm. Always is on Broadway, and no. And when you do a TV series, no matter how good it is, no matter how bad it is, there's always closing night and there's nothing you could do about it. Mm-hmm. And all you could do is make sure that each performance, each time you go out there, you give it all you have for that night. And he did. He spent his life doing that. So yeah. it, it, he had kind of a very blessed life. That's and a do- great way to think about it. And it does bring
0: up, a, a, a to maybe transition from that into this list, um, you know, a lot of the people that wound up on this list are kind of, standard you know these are who everybody considers the best actors to be and there's a reason for that um but it is as somebody who is a, a fan of character actors you know um and i said this a couple weeks ago um you know peter laurie was never going to be on this list and that's unfortunate because peter laurie is amazing amazing john Polito is amazing if You pardon me, yeah. Stephen Tobolowski is amazing. Yeah. I
1: just watched Silicon Valley, and uh, I, I, you're marvelous on it. You. If you don't mind my saying so, um, yeah. I also I'll say for my personal nominations, I nominated uh, David Morse, who didn't make this list. That's, that's the list. David Morse, marvelous, one of my favorite actors.
0: And that is that is the downside. And I feel like if we had had this be like okay, 100 actors, 100 <laughs> actresses. I think then we're we'll start we'll we'll start to get a little love for for the character actors but it's just kind
3: of the nature of of the I beast. find it interesting how many character actors are on this list because there are some famous famous mm-hmm. leading men that are not on this list. Yeah, that's a good point. Which I'm kind of I'm
0: I, the contrarian in me is kind of happy about that, you know. And when you think about it somebody like like Humphrey Bogart who spoilers he's on the list. Um he had he had certain character act. He's he was sort of a character actor himself. Sierra Madre, man. Yeah. yeah, and just and it's well, and that was from a, a time when I feel like you could be a character actor and a leading man at the same time. Yes. You don't uh, run across it that much these days.
1: I kind of feel like we should stop talking around the. Yeah, there yeah, Sorry. Talk Let's about, go for the list. Talk about okay, the list. Here we go. So yeah, we're not going to go <laughs> super in depth on all twenty five. Yep. We'll maybe right. go a little more once you get to the top yeah, ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's definitely a few people to, to mention here. But um, at at number twenty five uh, is Spencer Tracy. Now, I kind of swallowed Tracy, didn't I? Yeah. Spencer Spen- Tracy.
0: Yes, Spencer Tracy. Uh, who I I think I've maybe only seen like five or six of his films. And he's a guy who doesn't who, who never sticks in my mind, and it's not because of him. I think it's because he's such a naturalistic actor. Um, he's very in the moment, and he he's not like I was gonna say he's not putting in the effort. He is, but he's effortless in what he does. And whether it be in you know, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner or Judgment at Nuremberg or The Old Man in the Sea or one of my favorites, Bad Day at Black Rock, um, there's just a, a quality to him that is uh, very timeless. I feel like for a guy who is, who is older, even, even in the 40s, um, there's a certain modern sensibility to the way that he played characters. I don't know. That's kind of the way I. Approach Spencer him.
3: Tracy was a man of the theater. You know, <laughs> he, he came up through Broadway, big star, and and the, and people would always say. I remember once he was playing some convict in a Broadway show, or something, and uh, they said, "Well, don't you want to put a little makeup on your face, you know, to show that you're grubby?" He says, "No, no, I'll play the beard." <laughs> uh, now for my money. Spencer Tracy would be much higher on this list yeah. than 25 because out of everyone, you're right, he's effortless, yeah. and that takes such enormous skill, and, and no matter what he plays, Bad Day at Black Rock, Inherit the Wind, yeah. you, you name it, uh, he's spectacular in each role, and each role is effortless. Uh, as we go along, by
0: the way, feel free to uh, comment on uh, any of these actors that might have been an influence on you
3: or an inspiration to you. Spencer Tracy was an influence right. on me. How do you like that? Okay, I'll, t- I'll
0: take it. I'm he was an influence
3: down. on me. And and you will see, I'll tell you one thing, again, not a spoiler from the people on the list. A lot of people on this list you could see our products of their time, of their mm-hmm. decade, of the style of films that were being made then. Spencer Tracy is not. You're right. He's yeah. a naturalistic actor. But he is a guy who, who grew up on stage in a period where it wasn't, and he was successful then. Yeah. Uh, he always is effortless. And he. I'll tell you one other thing Spencer Tracy does that a lot of actors don't do. He understood that thought is theatrical. Yeah. He always allows the audience in to watch him think. It's fascinating. Yeah. Uh,
0: a movie that, I, that has been on my mind lately, because I'm going to be talking about it on my other podcast uh, soon, is uh, Judgment of Nuremberg, which has a wonderful cast all around. Um, and he, there's a, a moment there at the end between him and Maximilian Schell, where, uh, uh, no, it was between him and Burt Lancaster, pardon me, uh, where Lancaster, as a judge who you know, sentenced some people, found people guilty that he knew were, you know, were not guilty. And there's a wonderful moment when Spencer, Spencer Tracy says, uh, well, Burt Lancaster said, I never thought looking at the Holocaust, like I never thought it would come to that. And he said, you know, and he's like, it came to that the very first time you convicted somebody that you knew to be innocent. And he just says it with he's, it's very matter of fact in it, there's like heartbreak because it's one judge to another. And there's there's a obvious disdain. Like there's so much loaded with just – and it's a very plain spoken line, but he just – Loads and it's one of the last moments of the film, so obviously it's going to be loaded with meaning, and it's it's marvelous.
3: I love that scene. For people who don't know Spencer Tracy, just watch him in uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, then watch him in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. <laughs> That's right, and you'll see the guy from A to Z. He's yeah. phenomenal.
1: This will get us into another guy who can do, a, who has a, a cool. lot of range. I would say is uh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, um, yeah, who can be you know very uh, lots of gravitas gravitas but then yeah. he can also play uh you know dracula or um what's his name from true romance which is a uh is a, it like drexel or something, yeah, something like, that. like drexel um yeah. uh, which is a, <laughs> a a character that is completely insane and only works because he commits to it so fully um and is as terrifying as he is hilarious
0: and i think steven to go to what you were talking about earlier i think gary oldman who's a marvelous actor i'm not gonna say he isn't um I think his inclusion on a top 25 list does speak to the age of our listeners and the people that, that contributed this, because, you know, from a, he's still a, you know, he's still acting and he's still doing, you know, he's still turning out great work, but you know, we don't, we don't have perspective on his career yet. Uh, we don't like, we can talk about Sid Vicious and I see, Dracula.
1: I mean, I guess it's you understand because he's still acting, but I feel like I mean, I'm, most of our listeners are probably my age or younger. I'm 33, mm-hmm. and like I am, I am just young enough that I don't remember a time that Gary Oldman wasn't famous. Do you know what I mean?
0: And I, and that's the so, thing is, I think he's always been in the movies that you and I have seen, but right. we don't remember a time when he wasn't. And so I feel like if you're an that's older, what I'm saying. he
1: doesn't seem new to me. But I
0: guess he had maybe not new, but like he had an impact on, on movies from the time that you and I saw movies. Whereas if somebody, you know, is 10, 20 years older, Gary Oldman might not necessarily seem new, but it's just like, he might not seem like the most essential actor out there right now.
3: uh, Gary Oldman is a character actor disguised as a leading man. Sure. And, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. He's one of the guys that I would question being on this list, and, yeah. and for this reason. And, and in a way, it goes to the heart of what you were saying. You take a look at a Spencer Tracy. They made, back then, they made hundreds of movies. Right. You know, the, a lot of the older actors, it was a factory back yeah. then of doing movie after movie after movie, whereas the younger actors have done fewer movies. I see works that Gary Oldman did, uh, one of my favorites of his. Uh, tinker taylor soldier spy oh my gosh i've seen that movie three times which is saying something because it's 12 hours long (laughs) it's it's three hours long but it's it's phenomenal and he's a brilliant portrayal in that film uh he's i always have appreciated his work and and this is something that i want to throw a question out to you and the listeners too as what makes an actor worthy of being on this list because this is something Gary Oldman does. Gary Oldman has been in art films uh-huh. and he's been in just boilerplate audience films like Batman. Yeah, You know, he, uh, you, you have some people who specialized in doing the art house films and the small films and the idiosyncratic films. And that was one thing that, Spoiler, someone who may or may not be on this list, I'm not looking right now, Robert De Niro, (laughs) you know, he had uh, qualms with his manager at a point in time. Why are you keeping me out of the popular films? Uh Because he was doing like Taxi Driver and, and Deer Hunter and all these brilliant, brilliant parts and these odd, horrific strange films you know that aren't big audience and then they put them in backdraft or something yeah we'll get you in meet the parents Yeah, you know, we'll start putting you in uh big big things like that. so this is something at least gary oldman has done in his career yeah. is that he's been in art films and in popular films and in more challenging films like tinker taylor soldier yeah. spy here's what
1: I'll, and here's what i'll say maybe something he even surpasses Robert De Niro at is I feel like, I feel the same level of passion and commitment no matter what he's doing. Whereas sometimes, especially in the more recent Robert De Niro films, I, it kind of feels like he's coasting a little bit. I don't know. We're supposed to be celebrating people here, not yeah. So I want to talk about. And
0: um, uh, we'll be talking about
1: Robert De Niro, at the moment, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, but uh, yeah, I feel like Gary Oldman, whether he's doing you know um, nil by mouth or one of those small movies that he did, or doing no. you know playing Sirius Black in the Harry Potter movies, oh, yeah. or even when he's doing uh, stuff that I think um, some actors might trip over because it's too uh, corny and weird, like the stuff he has done with Luke Besson, especially particularly the um, the bad guy in the Fifth Element. And the bad guy in Leon the professional, yeah. which are big they require him to be super over the top, yeah. and he still keeps it real and keeps it a part of the uh, of the piece
3: one thing uh I think this was uh i don't know i didn't look if he's on this list um, uh, now now um, this is another thing when you start losing your pants. <laughs> mm. uh, you, you also, uh, who played a uh, famous, most famous actor who played- uh, Marlon the, Wayans. The butler. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Oh. Michael Caine. Now see, but I'll remember what he said. Mm-hmm. Because one of the, when he did Alfie, and he was such a huge sensation in Alfie, uh, they say, how do you act? And he says, acting is about putting rage into the lines. Finding a way to put rage into the lines. Now, that doesn't mean playing everything angry, but it goes directly to the heart of what Gary Oldman does and how he could play these over the part over the top parts so beautifully, like on Air Force One yeah. Scary as Hell. That's because he fi- always find even in the Batman movies is the commissioner. Yeah, you know I loved he him, finds man. a way to put the rage control. The Planet of the Apes. He finds a way to put the rage into the lives. Oh, that's right. Even in a little way. Even in a little way about being you know one of the survivors and mm-hmm. you know this is what we're doing. You know he has a way of doing it, yeah. and that is. Uh, I, I always remembered Michael Caine's advice, even though I didn't remember Michael Caine. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> That's all right. Who could uh, forget other people, Michael Caine? I know. are well, What, kind of, what <laughs> kind of
3: crazy person would ever forget Michael Caine? We won't, <laughs> we won't discuss that. All right. So, let's so move on.
0: 23, yep. and, and again, like, we don't have to spend that much time, yep. but it's going to be tough not to. So, but we'll, we'll try not to. Uh, n- next up, Jack Lemon.
1: Uh, I like that we have a couple people in a row here, Jack Lemon, and the next person, who do comedy really, yeah. really well. Um, although I mean, I feel like as Jacqueline later in his career, he, um, was not cast in comedies as much, yeah. but I feel like he still brought that, uh, that's not really his fault. I think sometimes once an actor becomes thought of as a great actor, they probably maybe, uh, don't get the kind of, they don't get asked to dress up as women <laughs> anymore. That's you know true. what I mean? Like when someone reaches a certain level of, uh, I don't know, um, in the upper echelon of like prestige, sure, uh, you forget to ask them to do the silly stuff that they absolutely can do.
0: Although Lemon is one of those guys who I don't like a lot of his early stuff. I don't really care for Mister Roberts. I don't really like uh, uh, something like it hot that much. I don't necessarily blame him. There's a, there is a definitely uh, uh, an over the top comical quality to him. But like when he does the apartment, that's when it's like oh. Now, this is the kind yeah. of comedy drama that I like, you know, where he's not fully into drama yet he's not in Save the Tiger yet like this is
1: although that's a good movie uh,
0: that is a good movie and he's really I, great at I
3: it. love the pairing of these two people and I won't mention the next one yet but they both are two coins two sides of a comic coin I always felt about Jack Lemmon that he always wanted to be taken seriously as an actor mm-hmm. and I feel like I, I agree with you he as a kid I loved Jack Lemmon I loved his early movies because he always made me laugh yeah but when he did The Apartment, yeah. oh my God, what a great performance. And that's where you saw it all come together. Yeah. And you saw the anger and the hurt. And he's another guy who puts rage into his lines. Mm-hmm. He he did certainly in Mr. Roberts too. But mm-hmm. uh, but but I but as his career went on, Jack Lemon got more and more opportunities. And this is a guy who's done a ton of work. Yeah. Again, more than Gary Oldman. He's done a ton of work and it's out there. And... He was always one of the actors that I loved going to the movies to see. Mm-hmm. I loved him in anything. His name on a movie was like, you know, the, the sign of quality in some way. And I'll keep that comment there that he was a comedian who wanted to be taken seriously as an actor. And I'll hold that comment for the next guy. Well, let's right. just
1: get into the next guy. Then. Sounds good.
3: Who is it, Tyler? It is Peter Sellers. Wow, <laughs> Peter Sellers, and I feel Peter Sellers was a comedian who wanted to be taken seriously as a comedian. Yeah, I can see he that. was brilliant. Uh, he's one of these comic geniuses that came around at the because he was really he was a serious actor before, mm. right? He was a he, he was a heavy. He played gangsters in the early kind of. Uh, English films. He was a dramatic sort of actor. And then he moved over. I I don't know. I certainly don't think Pink Panther was the first thing he did. I remember, was, I think the first,
0: the earliest thing I've seen of his was the Lady Killers. Where yeah. he's, but it might have been earlier than that. I'm But not he sure. plays one of the gangsters yeah. in it, right? Yes. Yeah. And he's kind of a, it's a goofy type of part. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's, and you know what? I've, one of my uh, one of my blind spots i have actually never seen uh, being there
3: oh 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 oh, oh. <laughs> you need to see being there you need to call movie okay uh, and movie and and see being there tonight when we're done okay. being <laughs> there is like yeah. spectacular yeah. but but it, it's an example that is an what i mean about the time and place mm-hmm. like a lot of times what an actor has control over are the parts he gets depending upon the era he lived in. And Peter Sellers lived in an era in which comedy and big comedies directed by Blake Edwards and things mm -hmm. like big comedies were king. And he was the king of big comedies and they allowed him free reign. Just like they allowed Woody Allen free Mm -hmm. reign in creating what, because Woody wrote and directed and starred in his own vehicles. Peter Sellers did not, but they allowed him to create those Clouseau characters, and they allowed him to create the Indian doctor and in the party or whatever. He created that stuff on set, and, and they allowed him to do it because it was successful. So you had someone who was invent, inventive, who had permission to invent, which is difficult. And I'll
0: say for me, the, the biggest compliment that I can pay to Peter Sellers is that in Dr. Strangelove, when he's playing, when he's playing the guy, the, the ex-Nazi with the arm that has a mind of its own, he is actually, I, as funny as that is, I find him funnier in just as the mealy mouth president. Right. Like where he, he can take, and of course then he's the, the Colonel Mandrake as well, um, that he can be equally funny in kind of these soft-spoken
3: parts as this over-the-top part. And, uh, yeah. Now, I certainly think that there's no way a Jack Lemon could have done yeah. Dr. Strangelove. It required the genius, the comedy genius of, of, of Peter Sellers to play those three parts that way. But let me suggest this. Peter Sellers... Who
0: everybody acknowledged was not a remarkably vulnerable actor. I don't know if he could be in the apartment. Oh, I agree. Like, there's just. No, yeah, no, no, I totally, totally, totally agree. They're just very specific actors. And I know we need to move on. on. I want to make
1: a comparison. I haven't seen our actresses list yet, but I know someone that I nominated that I think of as kind of like Peter Sellers is uh, Madeline Kahn. um, I love Madeline Kahn. uh, uh, Someone who was a comedian first, but still took the job of acting and creating a character seriously and created these yeah. very out there characters. Um, but uh, as I mean, Tyler and I are big comedy nerds and I think actors like that who um, allow people to see comedy as art yeah. uh, are always going to be held in high esteem. by Yes. Them. Okay. Now
0: here's the thing. I'm going to pair these next two together. Yep. It's fine with me because here we have an example of actors that have been around a while. Now you talked about we talked about De Niro earlier and he's not this low on the list. He is on the list everybody. But um actors that have been around a while and haven't really put out great work in probably 15 to 20 years. And like if we did this list 20 years ago, I think these guys would be in the top 10. It could be in the top 10. But neither of them have been in anything you don't they're not in their prime anymore. And it's not to say that they're turning in bad work. They're just not what they they're just not doing what they used to do. And maybe it's because yeah. they've gotten older, who's to say? So I'll go ahead and say number twenty one is Dustin Hoffman and number twenty is Al Pacino. Like it's crazy to think that Al Pacino would be this low on a list, but when you think about it it's like, what's the last movie that
1: I loved him in Insomnia. I loved him in The Insider. Well, uh, unfortunately, it feels like nobody besides me saw Danny Collins last year, right, yeah. which he was very good in. I don't know if you saw that that movie with he's, him.
3: He's he's good Canada in Valley. everything. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. But I think it's maybe it's uh you know choosing lower profile projects, which there's nothing wrong with if he feels like the part challenges him. And I remember like he was in a 2004 version of uh, The Merchant of Venice, and I remember thinking mm-hmm. he was pretty good
1: in that. Yeah, I didn't think it was a great movie, but yeah, he was good. Yeah. Um, um, so. And- I don't know, Dustin Hoffman, on the other hand, uh, when I saw him on the list, I was like, ah, I wouldn't have voted for him. I don't consider myself a big Dustin Hoffman fan. But then I look at like the stuff he has done in recent years, even though it was a tiny part, I loved him in Chef. Yeah. Um, and then... He was uh,
3: terrific in that. Uh,
1: yeah, and then there was the um, tragically canceled Luck, which he was, that was a great. It was a big role terrific. for him.
3: Yeah. But but you have to, you know, this is for everybody who's lost their ass. <laughs> is that I can tell you when... No one knew who Dustin Hoffman was when he did the graduate. Yeah. It was like who is this young guy with the odd name? No one had seen what the Journey of the Fourth Horse or the Fifth mm. Horse, Journey of the Fifth Horse, which they did like a Playhouse 90 thing on television before he did the graduate, which he was brilliant in. Yeah. And then after that to follow it up with Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. And then Which I uh, only just saw recently. And and it was there was a feeling about Dustin Hoffman at the time that There was nothing this guy couldn't do. And it's the same thing with Al Pacino. When he came out, when when he did Scarecrow, and everybody's going, who is this guy? This guy is so fantastic. When when he was doing, uh, I, I can't even say it without, like, You know, almost having a heart attack. The Godfather. Mm -hmm. I mean, what performances in those films, and 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 then just freeze frame there and go to Scarface. Yeah, holy mackerel! (laughs) And Uh, and you know, there are very few people that can do that. And Al Pacino. Al Pacino was just master of of so he could he could take a movie by the throat and just shake it and make it his own. And both these guys, Dustin Hoffman, Al Pacino, are these guys who at the time, New York theater actors, are very much from that method school of acting, and that's when it was hot.
1: Well, that's something I want to get into. Well, first I want to mention, we're mentioning Al Pacino roles. uh, Dog Day Afternoon is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, And I wonder if, for me to go back to the method thing with dustin hoffman if part of the reason my opinion on him has soured a little bit is because the discussion around and the general opinion of method acting in recent years has been kind of twisted i think there have been a couple of articles written uh in in uh in the aftermath of like jared leto's joker and right. leonardo dicaprio and the revenant where like method acting, quote-unquote, these days, has become more about just, like, showing off and showing its, like, macho posturing. Yeah. And I, uh, and I feel like I never felt that way about Al Pacino, but there are those, like, the stories about Laurence Olivier and uh, Dustin Hoffman. I don't know if you know that, that story oh, yeah, that I'm he said, in, yeah. uh, why don't you try acting? Um, <laughs> and then you hear stories about him being really awful to Meryl Streep while they were making uh, Kramer versus Kramer mm-hmm. is just, like, a way of... I, I, I don't know. It, it, it kind of it's my opinion of him has maybe soured a little bit, uh, through maybe no fault of his own, although treating Meryl Streep poorly is not going to go well. But I, I, I just wonder if the tenor of conversation around method acted acting has changed, um, to the point where he's not
3: what he was. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think, you know, it, it's gotten a sort of taint to it and certainly, yeah. you know, his personality has gotten a taint to it when he's working on various shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, just but, but if you take, I mean, take a look at Chef, a little movie like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Take a look at uh Kramer versus Kramer, which he's wonderful in. Yeah, uh, take Wh- a look wag the at the dog, wag, is a big wag one the for dog, me. Oh, yeah, wag the dog, one. wonderful in that film. Uh, Dustin Hoffman has the ability to reach out beyond the film and and touch in in the seat, not in your. Fanny, which I've lost, <laughs> which
1: lost. Yeah, but
3: he could touch you there.
1: Um, and let's let's not move on without mentioning Tootsie, which is oh, absolutely great, great movie.
0: Damn right, um, Tootsie. Yep. Um, all right. Next up, number nineteen. Not sure if I would include him on the list, and yet I'm happy he's here. Robert Mitchum, who is uh, kind of from that uh, that Bogart uh, way of, of acting, where he's just very in the moment, doesn't have a great deal of range, but is just so dynamic. On screen now the the part that the film nerds respond to obviously is uh reverend harry powell in night of the hunter i was always a big fan of his in uh cape fear cape fear i I love him in that where he can just be casually threatening yeah and just i don't know there's just an element to him he just and then he's wonderful and out of the past as well and and other and other such past, things. Yeah. But and
1: I want to go back to mention what you were saying about uh, John Polito. is, um, you know, we th- when we think of Robert Mitchum, we think of these movies like the movies you're we mentioning are mostly from like the 1940s. Yeah. Um, but one of his last roles was in Dead Man in what, 1995? Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a small-ish part, but he's terrific. Yeah. Um, and I, it's great that he was doing that, you know, right up yeah. until the end there. And it's... If you read any of any
0: of his quotes about himself as an actor, it was always a lot of fun because he's he's a guy who didn't have a lot of pretension. Uh, you know, he said, "I believe he said he goes." I have two kinds of acting, on and off a horse. And I am <laughs> just I remember like that's a pretty humble actor right there. Um, so we will move on. Now this is an interesting one. I wasn't expecting this to be on the list at all because uh, it's not often that you run across. A, a direct, uh actors who also directed but yeah mm-hmm. i apologize my a uh, neighbor is uh, fixing something they don't hear that they might they hear it in my they hear it in the <laughs> tension in my voice uh number 18 is orson wells i can't it's it's hard for me to divorce director from actor so i'll defer to you what do you think of orson wells
3: as a performer uh, well, certainly in Citizen Kane, it's mind boggling. Yeah. I mean, but, but and, and Touch of Evil. And, you, com- mm. and you, you compare those two roles. But here, this is where I wouldn't put Orson Welles on the list, even though yeah. I, I would put him on the list as one of the most important figures in American cinema. Yeah. I really would. But body of work. And I'm not going to do the obvious joke about his body. But. <laughs> now, that's a guy who didn't lose his ass. He that's did. A guy who, who or, did okay. or he moved his ass <laughs> to other parts of his body. But Orson Welles is a guy who was uh, notorious for not working, for not doing films, for taking the money and running, or, you know, like, oh, well, oh, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so he ended up with very few films to his name that he really did. I was on an airplane with Orson Welles. uh, And to give you an example, it was one of the few times that they flew me first class when I was doing a movie. So I was going to L.A., New York. And Orson Welles was sitting in front of me. And at that particular time, Orson Welles needed two canes to walk because of his body of work. And so he got up to use the men's room and was moving with great difficulty down the aisle. And a woman across me says, Excuse me, you're Orson Welles, aren't you? Yes, ma'am, I am. You're so wonderful in those Paul Maison wine commercials. (laughs) And he bowed and went, Thank you. The fact that he directed one of the most important American films Citizen Kane for yeah. sure uh, Magnuson Amberson's right yeah. uh, he, he was he was a fine fine performer but as he was a genius he yeah. was a genius and and full of courage in terms of doing what the hell he was going third man he's terrific in
0: yeah oh,
3: terrific yeah. in that.
0: Uh, And there's a a movie that only got a a U.S. release on now Blu-ray, but I think it just skipped DVD altogether, which is Chimes at Midnight, where he plays Falstaff, and he directed that as well. And it is it might be my favorite performance of his, more so than... I love Touch of Evil, and I love him as Kane, but... There was just something about the character of Falstaff that he clearly that really resonated with him. And it's out now on the Criterion Collection. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's it's that performance alone is like an argument for him to be on this list. But at the same time, when I when I, you know, I submitted my five, just like everybody else. Orson Welles, again, this feels terrible to say, was nowhere near, (laughs) nowhere in my mind.
3: If I throw something to you guys, battleship pretension for future shows, uh, just a theory I have. Okay. The idea that Citizen Kane was such, in a way, guerrilla theater. Things were attempted in movies that were never attempted before mm-hmm. shots, lighting, mm-hmm. editing, things never before. Same thing happened in Groundhog Day. In that it was guerrilla theater, they threw out a third of the script yeah. after we started shooting and began rewriting. I think sometimes the greatest works happen when you're flying, like by the sea, in a way that you're doing guerrilla theater, that you're, you're throwing it out there against the wall and you're really doing it. And in a way, Orson Welles had that energy about him, and he was vital to American cinema to do that.
0: Well, that was his whole career, especially once he once the studios lost faith in him, and he had to just like, you know, fund his own stuff. Then, like, yeah, almost every it's a story I've said on here a million times. He made a, a film version of Othello, and there was a day when the costumes didn't show up, and so he's like, "Well, we got to shoot this really important scene." You know what? And we don't have costumes. And you know what? I'm going to sit in a Turkish bath. Problem solved. <laughs> and it's one of the best scenes he ever directed. It is I love terrific. it so much. Okay, we need to move on. Let's yep. move
1: on. And I because I want to mention now, I feel like I feel like Stephen, you're going to accuse me of being uh, uh, being biased by my age or whatever. But um, this next person, number seventeen, was number one on my list. That's right. And that's Denzel Washington. Um, I feel heartbroken that he's not higher on the list because I'm a huge, huge Denzel Washington uh, fan. But I want to know, Stephen, what are your thoughts on Denzel Washington? He's a
3: remarkable actor. Now, you want to talk about taking Rage and putting it in yeah. your lines. You take Training Day, one of the most remarkable performances. You take uh, Flight. I love him, oh, Flight. Oh, my God. When, when as a director, you, you're working with an actor and you're saying the entire film is going to turn on one moment, mm-hmm. and as that moment, the, you as an actor have to tell the truth, and Denzel Washington tells the truth, I found that in flight devastating. Yeah. Uh, I, I have, to me, he's the sign of like, I want to see that movie. And I remember the first time I saw Denzel Washington, I was in England with Beth, When uh, before I was married to Anne, uh, with Beth, like in my former life, Uh and I was, and he was like a young young man in I I don't know what the film was. He had to have been like he had to have been like twenty. What what is (laughs) Uh, Carbon
1: Copy? A Soldier's Story? No um, way. Power before before that. Oh okay. Um, uh, Yeah,
3: I don't know. And I'm going. Who is this guy? When when I when I was a a young man, when I'm I'm like 23, 24. I'm going. Who is this guy? And I'm and I'm looking forward to Magnificent Seven just because Denzel Washington's in it. Me too. um, uh,
1: I want to point out because he I think we've talked about he has a lot of power and he plays a lot of powerful roles, but he's not. Uh, afraid to play the vulnerability to play the weaker, mentally weaker parts of his character when it's called for. You mentioned flight, and I would also mention Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, as a fantastic performance where he's willing to let the character look a little uh softer weak.
3: One thing uh, my acting teacher, uh, Ed K. Martin, and then Maria Gobetti said that really the most difficult role for an actor to play is a role in which they look kind of like a second-class person, mm-hmm. like a not-so-good person. Mm-hmm. And again, Denzel Washington plays the alcoholic in flight with such passion and fury and like total like denial. And it's just horrific and true. Yeah. And and it it is, ama- I, I just thought that was one of his most amazing performances. But of course, training day is, yeah. it's hard to beat. I'm a big fan of Man on Fire. Oh. I think he's wonderful on that. Question to you guys. Okay, all right. This is question to the room and to everybody <laughs> <Okay>. listening. <laughs> I always thought Man on Fire was a stolen movie. I thought it was the same movie as Professional Soldier with Victor McLaughlin and Freddie Bartholomew, oh. in which Victor McLaughlin, uh, a British, a kind of drunken British uh, Guy in India, Freddie Bartholomew or whatever, plays a little boy who's kidnapped by the Gurkhas or whoever they were in India at the time. And so, Victor McLaughlin comes in as a professional soldier to rescue the child. And and I close. thought and I thought that Man on Fire was, I'm watching, I'm going, professional soldier, Victor McLaughlin?
0: Huh? <laughs> I have to assume no one else was thinking that because... <laughs> uh, <laughs>
3: Watch but, professional soldier and tell me what you think.
0: Well, and I know that it was a remake. I think officially it was a remake of something was was it Scott Glenn?
1: Uh, I don't
0: know. I don't remember. But anyway, um, and I will say this about Denzel Washington, and this is a thing that uh, that it's it's a weird thing to say. He was always this good. Always, <laughs> like he's as good now as he was in Glory. Like he was in Malcolm X. Like. 23 years ago uh, yeah
3: 24 years ago now. Let me let me throw out something where you're not in your sweets where you're not in your sweet spot okay. inside man. Uh, Denzel oh. Washington in in this inside man when he has to do all the exposition. Yeah. And I bring this up just as a segue. It's difficult to do that kind of material where you do all the talk and all the exposition. Well show me what you got. Well oh man, he bugged us. Hey, can you see this? Are you guys got and, and where he's doing the long speech all the, It's exposition, and Denzel Washington can not only do the flashy stuff and not only do the furious stuff, but he's great at the exposition.
1: That's true. All right, we we got him we're we doing do too to long be, okay. and there's two in a row that I know Tyler's gonna have some uh, some big yeah. thoughts on. Um so at number sixteen we
3: have my favorite actor of all
1: time, which is Robert
3: Duvall. My favorite actor of all time, and let me just say, the greatest man at Exposition. That's all I'll say. <laughs> greatest actor of all time, exposition, and I went to his house uh New Year's Eve. Not this New Year's, but I went New Year's Eve and had dinner with him, and uh and he says, well, what is that you brought here? And I said, well, it's called a roast beef. <laughs> Robert, it's a roast beef. <laughs> my!
0: <laughs> wow, that's awesome that uh, that's, you got to yeah. hang out with Robert Duvall. Yes. Yeah, he's, uh, it's weird. He's my favorite actor, and yet I don't know what to say about him.
1: Uh, well, wow! I want to know his... an example of the, uh, of the exposition uh, uh, thing you're talking you about. You could
3: take a look at... In Godfather, all he did was exposition. That's true. All he did was exposition. But, and if you look at it, you and you could see those words on the script, you think like, he's got nothing. Hmm. He has got nothing. And all, and, and it's beautiful. Now, he's also one of the greatest actors in the world at playing without the ball, like Boo Radley. I mean, hmm. in in uh, Mock, To Kill no. a Mockingbird. There He's built up certainly by all the other characters, but his silence speaks so much as yeah. Boo Radley. Everything about him speaks. Okay, here is I think <laughs> the greatest Duvall performance for me of all time. Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. that
0: I haven't seen that since high school, but I remember because at the time I was I watched everything. He, he holds.
3: Was in. He, he he. You know, it's very much like. Uh, you know, he's a. Mississippi backwoods guy and a woman, pregnant woman, comes to his house. Mm-hmm. There's almost no dialogue in the thing. She has a baby, and the baby, the woman dies, yeah. and he raises the child. and And you'll have a scene where he's just like cleaning clothes in a big old boiling pot, and he goes, "Marry me, Sarah," <laughs> and everyone in the audience starts crying. Go see tomorrow if you haven't seen tomorrow. It's That's fantastic. A Horton Foot, right? Horton Foot, yeah. Fantastic. Um, how
1: about speaking of uh, silent roles? How about his weird uh, cameo in the 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Oh uh, yeah, he's the uh, the priest on the swing on the swing set. Yeah, it's <laughs> very strange. <laughs> apparently, he was just around. He was he knew the director, and was he was shooting something else, which is why he was already dressed as a priest and just did that thing for the it's
0: probably the, in uh, was it True Confessions?
1: That sounds yes. right. that he did with uh, De
3: Niro. De I Niro think, right? and Ulu Grosbard directed that. Look. Great actors can be great in great movies like The Godfather, but Robert De Niro was great in Gone in sixty seconds. Oh, uh, Robert Duvall. Robert, Duvall, yeah. Robert yeah. Duvall. Oh yeah. Gone in sixty seconds. The playing old day. Pop or Doc or yeah. whatever. The Sixth Day is oh, an unwatchable film. <laughs> unwatchable,
0: <laughs> except his scenes, which are surprisingly <laughs> poignant. Yeah. So true. okay, and we can move on. Move on. Uh, speaking of silent roles, um, the next up is Buster Keaton. Uh, I'm a big fan of silent comedy, and Buster Keaton the great stone face as they called him managed to convey emotion not merely without words but mostly without facial expressions now he did find the most like the subtlest differences like he could get a laugh from just an extended blink rather than just blink the way normal people normally do it's just like uh, it's a, a blink of disbelief and this is off-putting. I'm so sorry.
1: I I, I don't even hear it anymore. How
0: Listeners other people don't hear. don't hear this is astonishing to me. <laughs> I want to go out and murder my, my neighbor, um, which I guess is an overreaction. But uh, yeah, only Buster. if you
3: do it. Yeah. Now, you know, if you <laughs> talk about it, it's normal. But if you do it, it's an overreaction. All right. I don't want to look bad in front of you, Steve. Um, but, uh, but
1: now you've, you're on the record as saying it, and if that guy does end up getting if that murdered, guy's dead in the next couple of days. You're the first guy.
0: Yeah, but yeah, no. Buster Keaton just has this ability uh, to. I won't. I won't say that his parts are are poignant. Like they're always funny. He was always committed to the joke above all. He wasn't uh, like Charlie Chaplin, who imbued a lot of pathos into his uh, parts. It was just he was hysterically funny and effortlessly so. But it also Uh, unnaturally so because like you know people will laugh people will smile and he's like no i'm not gonna laugh or smile but i'm still gonna make you i'm still gonna make you laugh and
3: yeah i don't know are you are you a silent comedy fan i am a big silent comedy fan big buster keaton fan and here's an example where you cross into the line before stanislavski before stanislavski and method acting the style of acting that everyone did was del sartre which is like duza which is sarah bernhardt those those people uh lillian gish mm-hmm. the people posing and the idea was that the body is the conveying instrument for yeah. feeling and emotion and the great del sartre actor in our generation bruce lee oh, okay. right mm-hmm. but you but what it requires is being a terrific athlete and i bet you buster keaton was a world-class acrobat oh, no, i bet no you question. he was no well, he was raised in
0: vaudeville. Like, his, his parents were acrobats. He was an acrobat. Yeah, it's, he, he, he did everything. He is, his, the work with his body is brilliant. That is a great way of, of looking at it, because he's a guy who understood that, like, yeah, I don't need to telegraph that I want something. All I have to do is run towards it, and it, it problem solved. Yeah, that's, a, that's very interesting. Okay.
1: Let's move on to one. I don't want to sound like I'm uh, saying anything bad about this guy, but I am surprised um, and I think it shows the the maybe that are um, the the tastes of our our listeners maybe um, that Kurt Russell is on is next on yeah. the slot again an actor I like but this did surprise me that he made the list
0: yeah imagine tallying this up over the weeks and being like what the hell is going on
3: <laughs> a lot of people like Hateful Eight yeah that's 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 a serious problem in and of itself it might, uh,
1: <laughs> if, oh yeah. boy
3: that's loaded but I also um,
1: wonder if it's certain you know we've talked about certain uh people in our our age group in the late 20s early 30s who were nostalgic for 1980s movies they saw as a kid yeah and i'm wondering if uh, a lot of uh, residual affection for big trouble in little china and the thing is that and the thing um and i love big trouble in little china i actually just watched it uh, about a month ago again it's fantastic but uh and captain run obviously <laughs> that's captain the 90s Ron, but sure.
0: uh yeah, I think a lot of it is is what he's been doing lately combined with film nerd nostalgia for the 80s. Um,
3: and and Swing Shift, you know, was mm-hmm. where he began being like the comedic kind of uh, leading actor, comedic. And, and I again, I wouldn't put him on this list. I think he's, I worked with him. He's a fantastic actor, great guy. Uh, I thought what he did in Hateful Eight was he was terrific in that mm-hmm. movie. Uh, but I take a look, if you take a look at what he did in Swing Shift and you compare it to what he did in Soldier, the sci-fi mm. movie I where like he's that, kind Soldier. of the robot thingy, you, you could see like an enormous range. Mm-hmm. in the ability of Kurt Russell to come across the film and be warm and uh, also Kurt Russell being absolutely cold.
1: Um, can I ask before, because I maybe I should, what did you work with him on?
3: My house. He helped build it. No. No. Swing shift. Swing shift with Jonathan Demi. I played French DeMille in that role, in, in that movie. French DeMille. If you look, I grace the background of almost more scenes than any actor in film history.
1: <laughs> uh, and I will mention we talked about with uh, Denzel Washington and playing like second class characters. I will go back to Big Trouble to mention that the character he plays in Big Trouble in Little China is essentially. The sidekick who doesn't realize he's, who thinks he's the star, and yeah. he is the star of the movie. But really, it's the the his the Chinese guy who's the real action. He it's the yeah. other guy who does yeah. everything. And Kurt Russell is willing to play a clueless blowhard, <laughs> uh, and he does a really good job. at it. Well, and
0: and I will say that uh, it's a movie that I've been bringing up a lot is uh, Bone Tomahawk, and his I think that's my favorite performance of his because it's just. It's just astounding that he's playing this genuinely decent guy, but he's not naive, and he just imbues him with such wisdom, and just like all of his, and like years of of law enforcement experience and that sort of thing. Have you? Did you see Bone Tomahawk? Yes. And the movie's not for everybody, but his performance, along with Richard Jenkins, who's also marvelous. But like, I was not expecting that from Kurt Russell. I don't think I had ever seen that from him before.
3: I think you know if you if you do the the great actor list according to. What is your body of work? What movies did you do that like are going to be timeless? What movies did you do that were big b- box office hits? You know he doesn 't really score in either of those areas. you know yeah. he never had runaway uh, like major huge box office hit, never major art house successes but He's a very good actor who's had an enormous range over a very long career. And I mm-hmm. could see why youngsters, people who still have an ass, <laughs> sure. would like Kurt Russell a lot. What's the, what's the trucker movie with J.T. Walsh? Oh, Breakdown. Breakdown. Oh, that's, God. That's a cool Oh, my God, is he fabulous in that. Yeah. yeah. Fabulous.
1: Uh, number 13, Peter O'Toole. That's right, Peter O'Toole. Um, I think he... I the way I said it is a very inside reference to a Mr. Show sketch.
0: Okay, Peter O'Toole? Peter O'Toole. <laughs> well, uh, let's keep it that way. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, Peter O'Toole is one of the best actors of all time. I could watch him in basically everything, and uh, and everything I've seen him in from Lawrence of Arabia to Venus, which I believe was was his first and last movie. Um no, he did something. He did something after Venus, I think.
1: Oh, okay. But I don't recall. Oh.
0: Uh, yeah, it just he was remarkably classy and could be you could play like you know aristocracy or just a a, a very grungy type. Um, I don't know. It's Peter O'Toole is one of those actors that it's hard to even know what to say about him because he's so marvelous.
3: And he, I, I, in a what odd way, you may. I put him almost in the same category as Orson Welles in that Peter O'Toole does not have a huge body of work. He didn't do a lot of movies. But what he did in Lawrence of Arabia, which I would argue could be the greatest film ever made, I I mean, for my money— you, you know, you, you have one of the greatest directors, greatest screenplay, and the greatest single performance. Mm-hmm. All together, Peter O'Toole delivered uh, something that will be timeless. And I don't think people will ever come close to. In, in the long run, there'll there'll never be another Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, I just don't think that that'll happen. Uh, I, I ran into Peter O'Toole once. Uh, it was in Hartford, Connecticut. And I ran into him. I was I was doing a show there, and I was late for my matinee. And he had come to see uh, a, a preview of Keen to see if he wanted to buy that play to play Edmund Keen in in a film. And I ran into him in in front of the theater. Bang, collision, and he's gigantic. And I'm 6'3, and I bang into this chest of this man, and I look up, I went, Mo, it's Peter O'Toole.
0: And I'm sure he responded uh, in a very classy way. He did. Um, um, and I yes, will say,
1: After Venus, he was in uh, the movie Stardust. The Stardust, and he did, Dust, uh, that's right. A bunch of episodes of The Tudors as well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Um, by the way, uh, you actually mentioned peter o'toole and orson welles together i will say one of the most rewarding youtube experiences you can have is this clip from 1964 of orson welles and peter o'toole and another actor who sadly i don't know because he was a stage actor and they're all talking about hamlet for about 25 minutes it's wonderful fabulous
1: Um, Um, Let's move on to um, Tom Hanks. um, Number 12. Number 12, uh, Tom Hanks. I'm very excited to see him on the list because I've been thinking about him again a lot uh, over the past week because I rewatched Cloud Atlas. Um, That's right. uh, I don't know where you stand on that movie, Stephen. It's a divisive movie. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I don't know if you saw it.
3: (laughs) I I saw it twice, but I'm not a fan.
1: Okay. Um, But I do feel like Tom Hanks has gotten to a point where he's so comfortable in his own skin that he's he's he, uh, he's stretching in 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 ways doing weird i mean there's some weird performances the weird stuff he has to do in cloud atlas and then he also did the movie he worked with tom tick there again with a uh, hologram for the king just earlier this year last yeah. year which um the idea the, the fact that he's doing a this uh, small sort of artish uh you know european production movie uh, I'm, I'm i'm really uh, tom hanks is getting to that point of and maybe for a lot of people has been for a long time when you said about denzel washington like if tom hanks is in a movie i'm already 50 percent of the way there to want to see the
3: movie he he you know he's a guy who early in his career was kind of like i gotta see a tom hanks movie because he always made me laugh and smile and then kind of in the middle of his career i was going "Hmm?" i mean i i i don't get even though you know there's forrest gump and all that but you 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 have once he started doing like uh on the island, uh, Castaway. Castaway. My God, that was phenomenal. Yeah. And then I started feeling like, well, there's this kind of renaissance or something happening in Tom Hanks's spirit and soul. And then, uh, he, he had what the Philadelphia, what the the with the AIDS movie, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Yeah. with Denzel, yeah. with Denzel Walsh. And but I gotta tell you, I came, I was. When I watch Bridge of Spies, Hmm. and I go like, that is one damn fine performance. Yeah. It is not a flashy performance, but it is a performance that holds together a two and a half, two hours and 45 minute movie. And I thought it was compelling. And I agree with you 100%. The guy is in his skin. I can't wait to see Sully. Can't Mm -hmm. wait to see it.
1: Mm -hmm. I... Uh, Oh, go ahead uh, i was gonna to go back to um i think we were saying about jack lemon would you what i what I thought of with the uh, bridge of spies it's not a comedy but he's not afraid to play the comedy and yeah. still remain true to the to the character yeah. there's a there's a, a surprising amount of laughs in bridge of spies for yeah. the movie that it is and a lot of it is because of um his uh well he's his, finding his the absurdity in poem. the situation yeah i mean i love the part when he's when he's calling home and none of the kids want to talk to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> it's like an, a great little moment.
3: Another thing that's difficult about that, one 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 element, at least from my point of view, that's difficult for an actor to play is courage. Uh, because that's why actors always overplay it and play it, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you know, they, they overplay it and they make it goofy. He, had to, he was an ordinary man who had to have an enormous amount of courage to get through that situation, and I thought he did it beautifully. Well, and that brings up, uh, you know, you talk about
0: this uh, renaissance, I feel like in the last few years, and and David, you were talking about this as well, like taking risks. Captain Phillips isn't necessarily a risk, but the last 10 minutes of it is, I think my favorite bit of acting that Tom Hanks has ever done because it is the most vulnerable I've seen any actor in recent memory because he's playing shock, which means he's not all there mentally. It's all instinct. Like he's saying stuff and doesn't you like, it, it's a very specific thing seeing somebody who's in, who's literally in shock mm-hmm. and he's able to tap into that. And it's unselfconscious. Like he's willing to, to, to not overplay it, because there are moments when he starts to cry, but like shock is not about emotion. It's it's trying to piece out your your emotions and your and what you know is true, and not being able to do it. And there's he's doing so much wonderful work in that. T- he's good up until then, but in that ten minutes, it's some of the best acting I've, I've ever seen anybody do, and I think it's the best acting, acting I've ever seen him do. <laughs> and it's and I think there's a certain bravery to it. Number eleven, right?
1: Right, yes, number okay, 11. Okay,
0: number 11, a movie, that, uh, an actor that uh, was in my personal top 5, okay. an actor that I think uh is really uh, amazing and that uh, a number of listeners were actually because we've been rolling this out over the last few days, a number of uh, number of listeners were bummed that he did not make the top 10.
1: Just outside. Yeah. Just
0: outside. Number 11, Gene Hackman.
1: Yes. Uh, and I, I want to say Mississippi Burning. Right? Yep. you worked yeah. with him. And all I that. worked
3: with him in Mississippi Burning. I uh, uh, first I met him. I, I didn't re- recognize who he was because this guy was walking toward my trailer with big straw hat on. I go, "Hey, pops, how you doing?" And he like lifted up his hat, you know, a little bit. I thought, "Oh no, it's Gene Hackman," and I just felt my whole innards just fall out. Uh, but, but he's an example of one of these guys who's able to put rage into a line. Now, I could draw a comparison. These actors who were in the military, mm. you have Gene Hackman, you have Clint Eastwood, you have Lee Marvin, you have these guys, and you have James Stewart. You have these guys who served in the military you have, oh, Jay Simpson. Okay, forget <laughs> that. But yeah, these guys, you have these guys who served in the military that carry a sort of masculinity mm-hmm. in their work and are able to do uh, threat with, by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, they're able to do nothing. And Gene Hackman's whole career is the ability to be threatening while he's laughing. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's terrifying. He's a terrifying actor. Yeah. I
0: mean, it's one of my I mean, he won an Oscar for this. So obviously people did recognize him for it. But like one of my favorite villains of all time is in Unforgiven, oh, where man. he's he's congenial. He's a, and he's the lawman. And and theoretically, everything he wants is something that we would want, which is law and order. And he's just willing to go a little bit further than most people. But there's just, like, he can smile, but if you look in his eyes, it's like, this man's about to kill me.
3: Uh, it's it's amazing, and it's what made him such a good Lex Luthor. And, uh, he's another one of these guys, like uh, Gary Oldman, who's a character actor disguised as a leading sure, man. Absolutely.
1: Um, I recently, someone recently rewatched uh, No Way Out, uh, mm-hmm. in which he's a different kind of terrifying wow. guy there because he's so... He's so petty, and you don't really respect him, but he has power, and so he's terrifying because of big... He's a petty guy with a lot of power, and that can be very dangerous.
3: Uh, can I throw out what I think is, to me, like, certainly his most haunting performance is The Conversation. Yeah. Conversation. Yeah. Help me, please. <laughs> Just help me. <laughs> that movie starts, you think, I'm not going to watch this, and you go, like, his performance is so gripping, yeah. and and there. The It was the era of filmmaking in which the Robert Duvals and the, the character kind of actors, you had some like De Niro that were kind of handsome enough to be leading men, but they were really character actors, were playing leads. Yeah. And he, that movie, if you have not seen the conversation, you must see it. Yeah. Uh,
1: and I uh, again, to go back to Gary Oldman, I like about Gene Hackman that he... Uh, whether he's in you know The Conversation or whatever or whether he's in The Replacements that sort of crummy football comedy or um, what's the Behind Enemy Lines that uh, dreadful uh, action movie he's giving it 100% no matter what I I like that
0: and I I I also think uh, it's fascinating to me because he's there's a gruffness to him as an actor it's fascinating to me that he could pull off Wes Anderson dialogue as flawlessly as I think he does in Royal Tenenbaums like he there's it's it's odd because he doesn't often like put on accents or anything like that but he actually has a shocking amount of range for a guy who uses his own voice and and doesn't do crazy costumes or anything like that i don't mean to imply that he's that he doesn't have a specific type of range but just it's hard for me to believe that royal tenenbaum is little bill (laughs) is popeye doyle You know he's not doing different voices. He's the costuming is a little bit different, but for the most part, it's it's kind of the same mannerisms. But it's I don't it's I can't even process that it's the same guy.
1: Do you you know that story about uh, Wes Anderson um, meeting (laughs) Gene Hackman and saying I'm I'm writing this part with you in mind, and Gene Hackman essentially said. Don't do that. That's a good way to guarantee I'm not going to play the role. But then got the script and was like, okay, this is really good. I'll yeah. It.
3: One thing about Gene Hackman that's the opposite of like Orson Welles is he would do pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Yet, you know, uh, you gave him, if you wrote the part and you would pay his price, he'd be in the movie. Uh, he was very affable in terms of working, just as he is now in not working. Yeah. He's decided he'd rather write and he's not working. And yeah. people say, please come back, Ethan, yeah. now. I'm happy doing this. I was thinking yeah. the other get, day that, like, I miss Gene Hackman. Yeah, I we, he, do, too. If we could get
1: Gene Hackman and Rick Moranis back in the same movie, that would yeah. be, oh, be great. Um, <laughs> All right, number 10, Rick number Moranis. 10. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, yeah, you know what? I'm going to say uh, not, I'm not surprised Rick Moranis um, isn't on here. You know who I'm kind of surprised, given our listenership, who isn't on here is Bill Murray. Uh, he came close. Did he? He came very close. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I'll <laughs> tell you
3: what I'm surprised at. If you want some surprises, sure. Henry Fonda. That's uh, that was a big one for me. I give me give me a break. Yeah, <laughs> you know Henry Fonda. We have Kurt Russell, but we don't have Henry Fonda. Yeah. Excuse me.
1: Well, while we're mentioning, uh, I mentioned David Morse. I also nominated John Turturro. Not on the list. Yeah, and Klaus Kinski. Not on the list.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a few that uh, the big one. Uh, I guess this isn't that. That big of a one, given again the age that we're talking about, like for for decades, Lawrence Olivier was considered like one of the best actors ever. But I feel like he's somebody that, for the most part, has dropped off amongst people like that listen to podcasts. I would say, Uh, with the exception of stuff like Marathon Man and maybe like The Boys from Brazil or something like that, like they're not going to go back. They're not. They're not going to see the
3: entertainer. They're not going to see Othello. Yeah, Mm
0: -hmm. and I think he's just somebody that was considered like one of the best of all time that just
3: withering heights or hamlet yeah. they're they're not going to see that you're right yeah they're not going to get the little dvd of those and watch that <laughs> you um, said that so dismissive <laughs> The little dvd or whatever it is you call these um <laughs> well well they don't exist anymore either do that's they True. they're right. all streaming it's, it's, um, um uh all
1: right number 10 uh our second uh silent uh yeah. comedian charlie chaplin i was Char- sorry charles chaplin is how I he was, preferred to be no whatever screw that guy <laughs> well if we i mean spoilers if <laughs> another we another great James Stewart, we're gonna say charles chaplin another
3: great athlete
0: for sure yeah yeah they all had to be back then um yeah uh i was actually surprised at the amount of support he got but maybe for the same reason that i was surprised about orson wells is that we think of him as a filmmaker yeah, who acts true. in his own
3: movies and I and that's how I think of him. That's definitely true of me. I wonder if uh, I wonder if TMC is is had uh, or TCM or uh, TMC Turner T- Turner classic movies TCM TCM because they do have like Charlie Chaplin retrospectives a lot. I've seen a lot of Charlie Chaplin in the last year of uh-huh. of a lot of asylum films uh, on that channel. Where they <laughs> on Sunday night they'll roll them out and the. So so maybe there there is more of of him and Buster Keaton yeah. that's available. I think it's that, and I think honestly, I shouldn't be that surprised
0: given our listeners because they are film nerds, and if you're a film nerd, you're not going to be afraid of the silent movies, right? And then you'll and you'll look at these guys and be like, yeah, Chaplin directed movies, but he directed around his own ability as a performer, yeah, and he could do amazing things as a performer. And he is somebody that also imbued his characters with a lot of pathos. And then when it came time to incorporate sound and you get the the great dictator where he's doing tremendous things and he has that wonderful monologue at the end, it's, it's very powerful. So while I'm, while I am genuinely surprised that he wound up in the top 10, I might, maybe I shouldn't be again, given our listeners.
3: But so, I, I will also say, I do feel he is one of the building blocks of cinema Oh yeah, and, and, movies were never the same after Charlie Chaplin. All right.
1: Number nine, we already mentioned him, Uh, Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart. The character actor who found himself a leading man. Yeah, over and over again. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, Humphrey Bogart is a guy who... Is similar to like a Gene Hagman in that, you know, he always had his own way of speaking. I don't think he was, I, didn't think, I don't think he had tremendous range except emotionally. And everybody thinks of him as Sam Spade and Rick from Casablanca. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's great in both of those. But he also, I don't know, he's one of those actors that because of his persona, I have a hard time imagining him making acting choices. Hmm. But then you, you go and see a movie like The Cane Mutiny. Mm-hmm. Or Treasure of the Sierra Madre, or The African Queen, or a personal favorite of mine, In a Lonely Place. Okay, um, Desperate Hours. The Desperate Hours is great. Yeah, that's fabulous. Um, and you suddenly realize, like, oh no, he was an actor. He wasn't just. He wasn't merely a movie star who would just go on screen, do his thing, and, and go away. Like he, and he was surprisingly vulnerable. Like, especially in a lonely place where he is a real monster in that movie, and he's not afraid to be a monster.
3: You, you also can reflect on the genesis of an actor like Humphrey Bogart too, because he's another guy who came from Broadway, Mm -hmm. Broadway stage. And I believe, and and you guys out there, probably will call me out and be, I could be wrong on this, but I believe his big breakthrough was on stage playing Duke Mantee in the stage version of Petrified Forest. I think that's right. And, and it was the talk of Broadway. You, You just like Marlon Brando was, you know, was i don't know if it was fugitive kind or whatever was his first play where where or or if it was streetcar but but it was the talk of broadway about brando mm-hmm. it was the talk of of new york about this guy humphrey bogart yeah and that led that little character role opened up to uh his charisma in that opened up to an entire film career where he was elevated to leading man and of course he was brilliant in all yeah. those roles.
0: Yeah he's he's an actor who I think like I said, I, people think they know what they're getting with him. And I think it's because there are the movies that there's the movies we all see. We all see the Big Sleep, we see Casablanca, we see Maltese Falcon, and maybe Treasure of Sierra Madre. But it's like, yeah, he did a lot of other stuff. Kane Mutiny is not an essential film, but it's a, it's an essential performance, yes, on his part. Uh, and Jose Ferrer's and Fred McMurray. It's a good cast all around. But uh, and then in a Lonely Place, thankfully, is getting a lot more play these days. I think Criterion Collection just released it as well. And that I think is his best performance, and it's certainly his most uh, his his most uh, risky. Um, so we we should move on. Yeah, yep.
1: I, I'm very uh, interested to hear you guys talk about uh, this this next actor um, number eight. Am I right? Yes, is Toshira Mifune. Yes, um, who is uh, terrific, of course. But the the this the, the Japanese style of acting, yeah. especially like in the you know 1950s with Rashomon and stuff that uh, I think is what got him attention on these shores. Um, feels to me, I had to like. Break down how I thought about acting before I could come back and understand why Tushar Mafune is great because yeah. it seemed so large. His
3: performance. Yeah. You know it I mean? took
0: me a long time to arrive at a good place with that.
3: Uh, he, there, as a young actor studying in college, there was a big period of time where I thought Tushar Mafune was the greatest actor I'd ever seen. Hmm. Tushar Mafune and curiously, Marlon Brando. Both big I, I in their own that, yeah. way. And uh, Toshiro Mifune also has an interesting performance, I believe, in High and Low. Yes, I have not seen it. Though which I do is own not, it. which is more of a different style. You know, it's not the samurai films, but no. you, 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 you know, we never saw what Bruce Lee would do when he wasn't in a chop Saki movie. Yeah. You know, we love him for what he did in the chop Saki movie, and we love, Uh, kurosawa brilliant director brilliant scripts doing this these japanese gigantic folklorish seven samurai these giant films that needed a giant performance in the center of it but if you see high and low it's like there you have a more naturalistic performance but i i always thought tushir mifune is is one of the best ever yeah and and even even within the the big
0: samurai movies uh he he definitely modulated his performance like his like in in Rashomon where he's this thief he's a criminal like he's a a hedonist and he plays that he's over the top he's crazy he doesn't hold anything back um but then if you know i went to see uh i recently saw um uh Hidden Fortress mm-hmm. and in that he's really not that big like there's there's definitely there's a world weariness to him in that same in uh, seven samurai actually um where not exactly though hidden fortress is the one that i saw and i was like oh okay he's really dialing it down and is playing a guy who's very cynical and just kind of beaten down and he'll still do the things he needs to do but he's not super thrilled with it
3: it's like if you see him in yo yimbo that's more of the denzel washington performance hmm. filled with threat kind of quiet Deadly, but quiet. I no. won't go. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but then you have then you have Seven Samurai, where it's almost comical, the size of his performance, yeah. as the farmer who pretends he's the samurai. No. Killer. Uh, okay, so number we should... Number seven. Number seven.
1: Uh, another guy who hasn't been in movies that much uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And this is one that I kind of... I guess I kind of have the same thing with Dustin Hoffman, where I'm... Remembering like his more recent like the bucket list and something's gotta give and anger management and I'm thinking and I like forget and then I go back and I look at his IMDB and it's like, Oh right, he was great in that. He was great in that. He was great in yeah. that. I had to kind of remind
3: myself how Again, great Again he was. was one of these guys that I guess easy rider was the thing that mm-hmm. brought yeah. him to fame as as they they said, We need you on this film to make sure that Dennis Hopper doesn't like spend <laughs> us out of so he was a production guy. Yeah and he ended up stealing the movie pretty much. Mm-hmm. And at least when I saw it, when I was in college, I go like, who is this guy? This guy's hilarious. I yeah. love him. And and there was a period of time, like Dustin Hoffman, like Al Pacino, where Jack Nicholson did one movie after another that killed, yeah. that just killed. And it just kept going through all the way until they... They said we have to have Nicholson pairing off against Brando and Missouri Breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, his career built to such a point that like a Japanese monster movie that you have to just make it bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah. We have to the only way we can top Nicholson is put Brando in there too. And and that's and, and that's how that movie was built and that's how it came about. Always been I like little things like what, the border? No, the border he was, yeah. Oh God, he's fantastic in that. Uh, I love something's got to give. I love those old hmm. those movies, those romantic movies where he's the yeah. older guy in them. I, I definitely like
1: Terms of Endearment. I, I guess. Uh, yeah, he was a lot younger. Oh yeah,
3: I mean, that's twenty years. Terms of Endearment before. was again that was a perfect storm because you had not only he, Jack Nicholson doing like that performance, but you had Shirley MacLaine doing that yeah. performance too.
1: Right.
3: And John Lithgow is in it, and John Lithgow good, and Deborah yeah. Winger, and yeah. that's a great yeah, great yeah, movie yeah. all around. Yeah.
1: Uh, let's not forget to mention Mars Attacks.
3: She's great. Two (laughs) Two roles roles in that one. Mars
1: Attacks. We're big fans over here. That's Um, when he
3: was being campy.
1: But then he shortly after that he like almost as a way like to prove like I don't have to be campy. He did back to back the Pledge and About Schmidt. Yes,
3: yes.
0: And he was and so he's in a movie in the mid nineties one called The Crossing Guard, directed Mm -hmm. by Sean Penn. Fabulous and with david morse also um and then he was in one called blood and wine with uh, michael kane oh yeah by the way uh everyone sorry uh, michael kane's not on this list
3: i think we are michael kane's not on the list the guy's name he's fa- he's such a fabulous actor charles yeah. lawton's not on the list yeah give me true. a break you know you know really one of the greatest actors of all time uh but oh, I've, uh, I can't re- Sorry, I got distracted. No, no. And I was distracted about another great Jack Nicholson performance that we had discussed. Five Easy Pieces. I love him. Oh, Five oh. Easy. Yeah, all that stuff, the Bob Rafelson stuff, yeah. kind of early in his career was terrific. Um, I can't, maybe I'll think of it later. Yeah, it's, he, he's an actor that you know. people thought of him as like,
0: uh, a thing that bothers me to this day when I talk about how wonderful Nicholson is, people are like I he always just plays Jack, and he's just like, "Okay, well, first off, that's not actually true. But e- even if it were true, let me suggest this: no one else can play Jack. Yeah,
3: <laughs> no one else.
0: Only he can play Jack.
3: Uh, you you know? could draw the comparison to the way Jack Nicholson plays Jack to Robert Mitchum. Sure, that there is a swaggering masculinity and an effortless maleness about his presence on screen. Okay, I'll I'll bring up my, my favorite one of his performances, which I think is one of the great movies. I just love it to death. And that surprised me too about this list. Is like uh, the departed. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved mm-hmm. him in that. But, you know, you have Kurt Russell on this list. Why not have, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. You know, he's had more huge hits than Kurt Russell and has had more range in terms of, you know, Quentin Tarantino and, and, uh, you know, Django and Chain playing the villain in that movie. Yeah. What a performance! You know, he's not on this list. I'm a little PO'd that, yeah. that you know, he was dissed there. He but got I, he got very little support.
0: Matt Damon got even less. Huh. Um, it's see, very I can interesting. I
1: kind of see Leonardo DiCaprio there being a bias that I maybe have been guilty of at this at some point that he has remained baby-faced in so many ways that yeah. uh maybe we don't take him seriously because he still looks so much like the 90s heartthrob that we forget that he's
0: But there's there's also a fair number of of online critics and, you know, and listeners I'm sorry that as we keep going as we're getting towards the top of the list, it will occur to us more the people that aren't on the list yeah, uh, sure. as we go. So uh so please uh, indulge us for a moment. Um there are there are a fair number of online critics that do not like dicaprio they they think that he's a one-trick pony as far as the type uh, as far as his acting style i have no idea what they're talking about but there does seem to be uh, a contingent of people that are against him and yes
1: i mean is that just a reaction to the revenant because that i can kind of see i'm not a big fan of that movie it was his performance is the right performance of that movie in the sense that it's also not my favorite thing it's it's too showy it's too teeth gnashing I don't like that but I love Django Unchained I love Wolf of Wall Street yeah. uh, even The Aviator um, I, and
3: I love and I love uh, The Departed uh, uh, yeah. DiCaprio and The Departed is a great performance
0: yeah and I liked yeah did you say catch me if you can no
3: that's. I thought he was really good in that um <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think he's. I think he's a really solid actor. And then I always thought that Matt Damon was actually a very underrated actor. Very um, underrated because We're there's there, a, a a natural quality to we'll, him. We'll,
1: that, let's move on to another frequent Scorsese collaborator, Robert De Niro. Yes. dum
3: dum. <laughs> for you know, he is. He is uh, quintessentially what everybody thinks of a great actor. Yeah. At least for most of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of my life. From his explosion in Mean Streets to Taxi Driver, uh, it's always to Deer Hunter, it's always been De Niro and everything. And I'll just say this one thing. I got to act with Robert De Niro. How did I do this? It was a reading of a script for uh, Midnight Run 2. Joey Panleone couldn't come to the reading, so they asked me if I would come in and read Joey's part. And in this reading, I got to look at Robert De Niro across the table, just like you are, Tyler, and go, you stupid motherfucker! I'd have beat your fucking head in, you stupid asshole! Fuck! And I got to say that to Robert De Niro. And I will treasure that as one of my great moments in Hollywood. I I would, too. Um,
1: But, uh, yeah, Mean Streets. Uh, So, I I think, I mean, Tyler, you're talking about... uh, Jack Nicholson, quote unquote, playing Jack. I think there's a certain role that has come to be thought of as like a Robert De Niro type role, and even when he's good at it, it does seem kind of um, familiar, maybe movie to movie. But Mean Streets, he's such a loose cannon. He's so unlike that, what we would come to yeah. think of as as the more more stoic uh, and
0: there's a st- uh, stolid is a word that I was thinking oh, yeah, of. Like yeah. he's he's uh, an actor that I think people came to see. Like you look in in something like Goodfellas. And you see that well, Joe Pesci's the crazy one, and right. he's the one who's very stable and kind of sedentary in certain ways. It's weird to think that there was a time with Mean Streets and Taxi Driver, and and I would Hi, say Deer Hunter. Uh, Hunter, Mo, 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 yeah. the scene. And I, and I would even say, sort of Godfather Part Two, where he's he's very actively violent and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, he was a very Early on, like he was a very, very vibrant uh vital uh actor, and just and in mean streets yeah he's he's just this loose cannon guy yeah. that you and I have to bring up a great sometimes.
3: comic performance and meet the parents mm-hmm. great comic foil in there for Ben stiller, and you know it's great to be great when you have a huge role, but when you have a tiny role and you're brilliant, like he was in American hustle, yeah, And he wasn't even credited playing that gangster. It was one of the scariest performances that gave gravitas to the whole movie.
0: Yeah. And I, and I did like him in uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Like, I feel like he hasn't done a lot lately that I've really embraced, but I liked him in Silver Linings Playbook. Love Silver Linings Playbook. Um, and, and, yeah, I liked, him in, uh, and I liked him in Joy. I know that a lot of people don't yeah. like Joy, but uh, I, I think he does well with uh, 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 David O. Russell. I'll
1: mm-hmm. throw an out to Copland. Which sure. he's, he's essentially the same role that Kyle Chandler would go on to play in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. He's the uh, downtrodden but principled yeah. uh, cop, but he does get his one big, big moment that's in the yeah. trailer. I gave you, you gave a, chance a chance to be, to be a real cop? cop, and you, and
0: blew, you blew it. it. Um, <laughs> well, and also I uh, the, uh, a performance, one of his performances that is uh, I think starting to to get a little bit of steam in the last few years has been uh, is uh, Rupert
3: Pupkin. Oh, in, uh, The king of comedy, fabulous. He's, Oh, Boy, great. he's great in that great 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 performance i never get tired of seeing them and jerry lewis is so good in that movie yeah and sandra bernhardt and sandra bernhardt yeah. everyone is marvelous want to see my pride and joy <laughs>
0: have you seen king I, know, of comedy? I still have not seen oh you'd that. love oh.
3: it i know okay while you're watching your movie you have to see king <laughs> what, of... what are you supposed to i'm watch? being there being, being there, king there of okay. comedy. i've seen
0: being there king okay. of
3: comedy king of for of comedy. you
0: all right okay we're in the top five now
3: yep. drum roll
0: number five Marlon Brando, the other Vito Corleone. Yeah. Um, yeah Marlon Brando is an odd guy. I, I wrote the blurb uh, on Battleship Retention for him. And so I've been thinking about him the last few days. He is such, I, fe- I feel like when you, if you want to sum him up and this, I'm now just basically quoting from my blurb. If you want to sum him up, it's just like, all right, commitment. Like he's a guy who's fully committed to whatever role he's playing. He might be crazy, He might be very demanding as an actor, but he also, his instincts are so right. Like when he, whether he's playing Kurtz in Apocalypse Now, or I forget the name of the character in uh, Last Tango in Paris, or Vito Corleone, where he just is like, you know, I'm reading this guy. I kind of see him as a bulldog. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change my voice. I'm going to shove these things in my cheeks. And uh, yeah, I think I know how this character needs to be played. And it's just... It's just astounding to me that he would approach these roles. And of course, as he, as he got older, he was, you know, you see the island of Dr. Moreau and he had some odd instincts there, but you know what made it, made it a more interesting movie. Um, But that he just seemed to know what these characters required and certainly could I'm sure intellectualize it but just instinctively seem to know this is how you play the character from on the waterfront this is how you play Stanley Kowalski and uh, I feel like nobody can can touch him in the, in that Well regard.
3: he's the guy who like Humphrey Bogart moved from Broadway mm-hmm. you know but was a big Broadway star and like you've got to see this guy Marlon Brando yeah. and it was hot it was sexual but uh, like Orson Welles, he doesn't have a huge body of work because yeah. he's a guy who kept turning stuff down. Okay. Unlike Gene Hackman, who says I'll do anything. Uh, I think of uh, it may have been one of his last roles in the score. Yeah, yeah,
2: he's
3: wonderful. I, I, you know, I, you could take a look at on the waterfront, iconic. Mm-hmm. You, you know, spectacular role. Uh, the men. Y- 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 you could. There's so many. The Young Lions. I didn't see that one. Where he's a Nazi. Oh my God. Is he wonderful in that film? Absolutely. He dyed his hair blonde. You mm-hmm. know, he's wonderful in that movie. That movie's written by Edward Anhalt, uh, who wrote Beckett. Oh, okay. Just oh, a okay. oh, okay. great screenwriter. And he's wonderful in that film. Okay. And that follows Montgomery Clift and yeah. it fol- uh, Dean Martin. And Marlon Brando, and it's a movie that goes from a Nazi to a serviceman to this other, and the three converge. Hmm. And it's a fabulous movie. But um, even look, look at the score. Look, look, look at a movie that's kind of a great little B movie, yeah. whatever, with great actors in it, and see how good he is in that. He was
0: in a movie in the in the mid eighties called A Dry White Season, uh, which is a. a like an African apartheid movie, and yes. he plays a, a, a lawyer in it. And, you know, so it's like, all right, Marlon Brando, Marlon Brando playing a lawyer. He's going to get some nice speeches. And he does, and he plays them very well. I believe he was nominated for an Oscar for that. Um, but he also undercuts the inherent, the inherent drama. Like, he could just be like, I know how to play this. Uh, I'll just play it big. That's what everybody wants. But instead, he finds some really nice humanity in a character that could have been very cliche and it's it was really fun to see that i you, wasn't expecting
1: it you mentioned the uh, i was also going to use that word undercut because i feel like you see him do that over and over again where he's like a super good looking and very masculine guy who's mm-hmm. almost almost seems to instinctively need to undercut those traits yeah. and play you know like you know you like know, jared play. leto uh, they're,
0: too, they're very similar <laughs> actors
1: <laughs> but he, he he wants to play the vulnerability very much or he wants to you know shove shit in his face when he's playing yeah. when he's playing uh Peter corleone or, or or that sort of yeah. that sort of thing uh i talked about real quick um yeah i'm not kicking myself for not nominating montgomery clift because he should absolutely be on this list. Montgomery cliff he came very um, close uh if i had put him on the list it would yep. have pushed him on but oh. then
0: you might uh, but then denzel washington might not have been on like that's
1: that's true um uh, but I, I mentioned having recently seen for the first time One-Eyed Jacks the one and only movie that Marlon Brando uh, directed um, and yeah you get to see him stretch his impulses to not let any of the characters be really heroic or likable yeah. like he, uh, I, I like that impulse in him to to play the the ugliness um, or the weakness or whatever
0: there is a story that I uh, remember hearing in a theater class and Stephen it's entirely possible that you know the story um and it was a story of of a young marlon brando in an acting class and it they're doing like an improvisational type of game where the the uh the instructor said okay you're all chickens so they all had to act like chickens and it's like and by the way uh, uh a nuclear bomb is about to drop on you and so Everybody else is playing like chickens, but then like they notice something up there and they start following it and they don't necessarily get panicked. Marlon Brando went into the corner and laid an egg. And because he's a chicken, he doesn't know what that thing is. He doesn't care what that thing is. He's got something he needs to do. And I feel like that is commitment. And that is a guy who goes to what you're talking about, like, I can't think of anything less uh, manly and attractive than going in the corner and laying an egg. When every other actor is telegraphing something, he's like, no, that doesn't really fit with what I'm actually playing. And it's a, it's a wonderful story. I hope hope
3: it's true. That's the element of the Stanislavski and the Lee Strasberg thing that Mm -hmm. I hate is that they tell actors that you're a chicken, but there's a bomb dropping on you. It never, almost never happens in a script. It's kind of a waste of time. All right number four,
1: uh, yeah, someone uh, I would say very unmethody
0: yeah and and a full on movie star as well um and but now that that precludes him from being a good actor uh Carrie Grant who is I just recently watched because I just took that uh Alfred Hitchcock class, so I recently rewatched uh notorious and north by Northwest and uh, and I love Philadelphia story as you do David yes and uh, and I, I also somewhat recently saw His Girl Friday, and yeah, Cary Grant. Like, yes, he's not. He's always going to be Cary Grant in the same way that Jack Nicholson is not always, but often. Jack Nicholson. It's like, yeah, no one else can be Cary Grant, who's like the classiest man
3: that has ever lived. I don't know. I feel yeah, like no one. No one. No one could be Cary Grant. He's, again, he was a singer, dancer, acrobat, right? So he's he's Archibald Leach, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So he's, again, a guy from vaudeville, from theater and all this. Uh, there was some sort of story, and I don't know how true it is, you know, about the gayness of Cary Grant mm-hmm. and how they would always cast masculine women opposite him hmm. to make him more of a sex symbol, you know, like a Catherine Hepburn. Uh, you know, to me, growing up, I, as a child, I loved Cary Grant. Yeah. In everything he ever did, I I found uh, he, in in his non-forced acting, or, or his charm, whatever his charm was, I, I felt... That he invited me into the movie, and mm-hmm. and I can't think of a performance of his I didn't like.
0: That idea of inviting you into the movie—it's almost like he's saying, "Hey, let's have some fun." Yes, because mm-hmm. he always seemed like he was having a lot of fun.
3: Yeah. Uh, favorite. My favorite performance of his is Holiday, which I haven't seen. Okay. I mean, I After guess, you, <laughs> I, Holiday I is absolutely spectacular. And it's a surprising movie, and again, it was a big hit on Broadway, mm-hmm. and then they converted it into a film, Katherine Hepburn and him, and it's a great, great script. Well, I like I, him and Katherine uh,
1: Hepburn.
0: I love Philadelphia. Yeah, I, think, um, I
1: don't know if it's my favorite movie, probably the first performance I ever saw of his was Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, can I, before we move on, can I tell a story? This isn't about an acting story, but it is a really interesting story I recently read about Cary Grant's family. Cary Grant was, um, you know, known as one of the best-dressed men in, in Hollywood. Yeah. And, um, it, therefore, when he—after he died, his his wardrobe could have fetched huge amounts of money at auction from menswear enthusiasts or old Hollywood enthusiasts. But uh, his family decided instead to anon- anonymously donate all his clothes to charity, including, <laughs> like, charities that provide clothes for people who need a suit for a job interview or oh, something. Nice. So, like— People who are homeless or down to the luck wore a Cary Grant suit <laughs> to a job interview, and they never, you know, they didn't, uh, they did it anonymously so no one could, uh, I could, could, you, could make I guarantee you, they money. got the job. <laughs> I, better have, I think that's a fantastic story.
3: Yeah, that's great. I, I have one little Cary Grant story, one tiny Cary. When I was a young actor, I came out here, I ran into Frank Phelan going into the grocery store. He's a great character actor in. Uh, Jimmy, Stewart, you know, it, uh, he was with the Frank Capra guys. He was always mm-hmm. uh, in uh, the one they always play at Christmas time. Oh, it's a wonderful, life. it's a wonderful yeah. life. Plays the cab driver. Anyway, oh, okay. Frank Phelan was uh was an actor at Paramount. Clement, all the all this guy, and he would show up to the lot, and they would tell him, "You're going to play this part." One day, there's a knock on his door, and it's Cary Grant, and Cary Grant has a script, and he said this is the next movie I'm working on, Frank, and I think you'd be really good for this, and I want to work on the part with you. And he came into his trailer, and Frank Phelan said he had never met a big star that had such a big heart. And he worked with him for an hour or so on the part to make sure he would get this part and not just be, get a bit part of this movie and that movie and the other. And I just thought, that says a lot about who he was as a person yeah Yeah. it's and i recently i was
0: watching uh oscar speeches on uh, youtube and stuff and he never won an oscar he was given a lifetime achievement oscar and then i believe he was presenting jimmy stewart with his lifetime achievement oscar and so i was watching him as an older man uh give these speeches and it's uh, of course always classy but also just a guy who who genuinely seemed surprisingly humble, and just kind of, like I said, just kind of happy to be there. Epitomized Hollywood when Hollywood was at its zenith. Yeah.
2: Mm. Uh,
0: Okay. So we're going to move on, and I feel like these next two, I'm comfortable kind of putting them together because because I feel like these are two guys that definitely are favorites of people our age, David. Yeah. in is them. it because they headlined back-to-back Paul Thomas Anderson movies? Could be that. Um, so number three, and who, by the way, was number one for a long time, and then the last few days uh, mm. got bumped down. Number three is Daniel Day-Lewis. Three-time Oscar winner for Best Actor, the only one to ever do that. Um, is that true? Yeah, for My Left Foot and There Will Be Blood and Lincoln. Um, yeah, he's, speaking of, you know, method guys, I don't know if he's officially method, but he's no, known for going into
3: character and never coming
0: out and stuff like that. He told
3: Spielberg, what with what, what doing Lincoln, I need a year to work on the part. And Spielberg, you know, Spielberg was saying, well, we're going to sh- start shooting in three months. He says, no, 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 no. I can't <laughs> even think of beginning for a year. I have to work on yeah. this for a year before we start shooting.
0: And, you know... <laughs> Part of me is just like, come on, and
3: then but, yeah. then, but the You're other part of Lawrence me is Olivier over here, <laughs> exactly. your boy. Just try, try acting, acting. Dan. Uh, but he falls into the category of the guys that don't have a large body of work yeah. because he's difficult to work with. Not not that he's a mean guy, but but you know, Steven, it's going to take me a year to before I can no. step up to the plate on this one. So you know, I I think his performances have been fantastic, and let's not forget Last of the Mohican. Hello, yeah, yeah. and and uh, and in the name of the Father is one that I think the name is
0: very of the Father. Uh, Gangs of New York is it, that's I don't love that movie, but he is he. If there is a reason to watch that movie, it's him. I'd yeah. say and uh, his
1: hat no,
3: and anywhere.
1: his. <laughs> I'll draw a comparison to what we were saying about Robert De Niro and the difference, like the vitality in his younger performances. Uh, a little over a year ago, Criterion put out the Blu-ray of *My Beautiful Laundrette*, right? Uh, and Dino day Lewis is a sort of young gay punk rocker in that yeah. movie, and not you know not the kind of not the kind of roles he's playing when he's playing Abraham Lincoln, but it's a it's a terrific and, and very uh, vibrant and energetic performance.
3: Uh, you you take a wasn't he in uh, *The Unbearable Lightness of Being*? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I. I think that was one of my first experiences with Daniel Day-Lewis. Either that or My Left Foot, I'm not sure which. And it was it's so moving because it isn't really that showy of a role. He's the lover, and uh, it's such a beautiful film. That film is so understated. And you usually think of Daniel Day-Lewis as big and overstated, yeah. but he's, he's not. Which
0: is why stuff like... Uh... In the Name of the Father and the Boxer and then I actually never saw um, The Age of Innocence, but uh but yeah, it's it's important to look at those and recognize, oh yeah, he wasn't always, you know, Daniel Plainview from There'll be Blood. Like he can play just regular people as well. Um yeah.
1: He did a movie in between Gangs in New York and Dirty right. Blood called The Ballad of Jack and Rose, which I feel like not a lot of people saw, but it's a terrific little movie.
0: Yeah, I remember you you said that that was really great. And it's, uh, yeah, he's, he's an actor that, my friend and I were talking about him a, a while ago that, yeah, he doesn't work that often, but it's almost like, It's almost like he surfaces, and it's like, hey, I'm going to give this amazing performance. Yes, thank you for that Oscar. All right, I'll be back in another few years. And then he comes back, and he's like, all right, uh, another Oscar? Okay, good.
1: And then he does a musical
3: in between. (laughs) Or, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. About nine? Yeah. yeah. But I would say, he ain't no Henry Fonda. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You know, Daniel Day-Lewis is terrific, and he does a great performance, and he does a movie every four or five years. But Mm -hmm. Henry Fonda, come on. I mean... Great perform from Failsafe to 12 yeah. Angry Men to, yeah. you, you know, he should be on this list. All right. So that's your,
0: I did have a couple other thoughts of people. This is, we're in the final two now. Uh, a couple other people that did not make the list. Burt Lancaster's not on the list. Mm. Um, Sidney Poitier is not on the list. Uh, I did have a thought as to why on, in the case of Sidney Poitier, which is he's a guy who his stardom was linked very much with the time. You know, He was in movies in which his being a black man was a big part of the movie, like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and uh, In the Heat of the Night and that kind of thing. And I love In the Heat of the Night. I feel like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner has not aged that particularly well um, in that the big thing about it was something that is no longer a big deal to us now. And so I feel like those are movies that, again, for people our age, are movies that aren't considered vital to watch and so they don't watch it and lilies of the field is not even on people's radar and so i feel like uh, he's he's a guy who as wonderful an actor as he was i think because of the movies he was in and when he was in them i feel like he's kind of been pushed to the side over the years um which is interesting but burt lancaster that one i don't understand because uh, uh, he was a Titanic actor.
1: What surprises me, given our uh, our pretentious uh, art film listenership, is how few European actors. There aren't really any. There's we yeah. have uh, Toshirō Mifune from Japan, but it's yeah. mostly. Uh, American and English actors, but there's yeah. no like Marcello Mastroianni. Yeah. Max von Sydow uh, was close. Max von Sydow. Okay, uh, Jean Pierre Leaud is not on yeah. the list. She
3: and Carlo Yeah, <clears throat> uh, you know uh, Seven Beauties, Swept Away. I yeah. go like Wow, wow, wow! A Jar Yeah, uh-huh. fantastic actor. Uh, so good in so many films, but but again, I think and it's, that's someone you've worked with, right? That's someone I worked with, for sure. <laughs> I did. I have a, I have I I don't know if you have time for a Gerard story. Sure. We oh. were shooting in the Bahamas. We were, we were shooting that remake, that Disney, uh, My Father, the Hero. That's right. Which is a remake of a French film, right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it know. is. Yeah. And uh, Catherine Heigl was on that film when she right. was like 14 years old or something. So Gerard Depardieu was there. We, uh, he was staying at the Ocean Club, which is very snazzy. And Anne and I, my wife and I, we were we were staying uh, next door at not such a good hotel and so uh, it was our son's birthday a four year old birthday who's he's now 27 so that tells you how long ago it was and Gerard uh, said you have to help me Uh, (laughs) my wife is here he was there with his mistress and his and their son that he had so French wow so we took his son with us on the boat to swim with the dolphins that day while he, he ran, he went <laughs> off with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, uh, and uh, so, we, we have Annie and I have a great picture with Gerard after, after that day. He was very <laughs> grateful. And then I learned the piece uh, of Mozart that plays, that's the theme of his movie Germinal. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen that film. Mm-hmm. It was around when he did Manana of the Spring and all those okay. great yeah. French films. Germinal came after that. And so there's a Mozart piece. So I learned it. And there was a piano uh, out at the set one night. And so I went over and I started playing it. And he kind of, that song is so familiar to me. <laughs> what is that song? I said, it's a song from your movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I learned it just for you. <laughs> Give me a break.
0: Yeah, it's and and he's he's a guy again like a lot of the people that we're talking about are are people that for whatever reason one of the reasons that I love doing these lists is because it gives me a, por, a, a pretty accurate portrait of who our listeners yeah. are. Yeah. And there's definite film snobbery, you know. That explains why there's like a Buster Keaton on this list, but there's also film nerds, which is why Kurt Russell is on this list. <laughs> and then there are certain actors that, for whatever reason, just fall by the wayside. And I feel like Henry Fonda is a good example of that. Um, Alec Guinness. Alec yeah, Guinness yeah. is somebody I did have the thought, and it's like, and I think maybe one or two people submitted him, but not mm-hmm. very many. And it was just astonishing to me. Maybe
1: maybe those. Was- the nerds are still sore that uh, he never liked being in Star Wars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's ah. true. Uh,
1: maybe they're still uh, looking at his uh, problematic
0: Fagin. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so number two, number two Philip is Seymour Philip? Hoffman. Oh, you're going to say it. All right, that's yeah. fine. Um, you said
1: the last eight. That's true. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. um, the uh, sadly late Philip Seymour Hoffman.
0: Yeah, and it seemed strange to me. It seemed like there was some recency bias with him, but then I thought like. Well, his career is over. We know what it is now. It's mm. it, It's hard to say if we have perspective on it because it, he died fairly recently. But, you know, we can look all the way back to, you know, uh, I think maybe he was in Scent a Woman, I think, right? Uh, but, I mean, he was also in, you know, Boogie Nights and Magnolia, and then he went on to be in... Tons of stuff and became considered one of the best actors, if not the best actor of his generation and with tremendous range and could play, you know, kind of over the top characters like in the master, but then could turn in a wonderful performance in like the savages, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so he's, a, so I thought like, you know what? I, I well, I'm not sure if I would put him as number two. It's like, I, I can definitely understand for a lot of people. He,
3: a lot of people of a certain age, he defined what good acting was. He he was a good actor. Uh, he certainly, you know, two of my favorite of his performances, kind of offbeat performances, but the, the same kind of performance, and that is Boogie Nights mm-hmm. and uh, Magnolia. Yeah. I thought, I thought he was so brilliant in those. Things like The Master are Showy and kind of – over, but I never really got into the skin of that guy or schenectady. Yeah. I never got into that. You know, I, I wasn't too sure. I acted with the men, Love Liza. Right, right. I had, I had uh, two or three scenes with the men, Love Liza. And I'm th- thinking like, yeah, this guy's a good actor. Yeah, you know. But um, I, I didn't think he was like an Al Pacino. Right. That I worked with on The Insider. Yeah. No. And and. He, 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 I, I completely agree with you that he is a guy who, of his time, really had the mantle of this is the best actor yeah. that's around now, and I just don't think he. For me, on this list, he doesn't have the volume of work, and like you say, it's done now. Yeah, and he doesn't have the great classic performances that some of the others would have. Like,
1: I don't, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I, I. I do wonder if the master in 20, 25 years will be seen as one of the great performances. I think I, that's the thing think, is we, in 10 years, let's say 10 years, okay. in 10
0: years, I think we'll have a better idea of like what performances of his come to the surface. You know, as much as I love him in Charlie Wilson's war, I think that might be one that is forgotten. Unfortunately. I think, I think he's great, great in doubt. I think that'll be forgotten. I think the master, I think Capote. Um, okay. I think those yeah. will, will stick around.
1: Uh, and I'm, I'm going to say I'm going fun- to sound like a broken record because I've said this about a handful of people, but um, he had these very big dramatic perform- important performances. But even in the even in the master and in key New York, and in um, what did you say, Charlie Wilson's War, uh, he was able to find comedy. In uh, absolutely yeah, it was a very funny. I mean, I think we uh, in a lot of ways we probably first came became aware of him in uh, as sort of comedic buffoonish characters like in the big Lebowski oh, and yeah. um less comedically so but more buffoonishly so in the talented mr ripley which i think was probably oh, yeah. the movie that put him on I, I guess i knew who he was from son of, the woman, son of the woman but i think talented mr ripley was the first movie where i was like okay i know who philip Seymour hoffman is and he's
3: great i i know i know he was again him being in a movie was meaning I'm gonna go see it. Because mm-hmm, yeah. this guy's great. But I remember when he played a bad guy, a uh, juvenile delinquent in Law and Order. Yeah. I've and seen I don't that think episode. I don't yeah. even think he really had any lines or if he did he had one. But I remember being a Law and Order fan, just watching, going like, Who is that guy? Yeah. That guy he played one of the three bad delinquents. I'm going, yeah. This guy's got some special. <laughs> yeah, I got it on my shelf people. over there. Uh, <laughs> it just jumped off of the screen. There's something about him that jumped yeah. off of the well, screen. Speaking
1: of bad guys, let's not forget Mission Impossible 3. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He's, I mean, that's a big sort of standard Hollywood movie, and he's playing kind of a standard Hollywood bad guy, but he's terrifying.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah he's and, great
0: in that. And it's worth noting that in a movie like Patch Adams, which is uh, not good, um, <laughs> but <laughs> that in the midst of like, this is a movie where, you know, this character Patch is like, anti-establishment and we're supposed to be on his side and the establishment is is sort of represented by philip seymour hoffman who he's he's not a a full-fledged doctor he's just a another student and so he is defending the establishment and it's worth noting in that movie i'm like you know what i think that guy has a point i think uh i think i'm i'm more on board with this guy than patch i think patch is a is a wild card Mm -hmm. and just uh and i think that speaks to The commitment of Philip Seymour Hoffman, like he's not judging that character. He's not saying, all right, I'm playing an asshole, so I'll just play him like an asshole. He's like, no, this guy believes in what he's saying, and so I better do it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think – I don't know if this was his last performance, but he was in a wonderful movie called uh, A Most Wanted Man
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, that uh, didn't get seen by a lot of people, but it definitely deserves – too because he's marvelous. I
1: think officially his last performance is the Hunger Games movies.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, okay. Number one. Drum roll.
3: I'm gonna let you say it. Are you well yeah you, 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 you know uh, I was I was sitting out down the log there and looking up at the moon. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. James Stewart. I remember I was a little boy and I saw I, I think it was it's a wonderful life before I saw Mr. Smith goes to Washington mm-hmm. but when I saw it's a wonderful life, I was probably about ten years old and they played it on a little local station in Oak Cliff in, outside of Dallas. I thought I want to be an actor I yeah. want to do that. I want to be that guy uh Jimmy Stewart, another one that's not on the list Gary Cooper mm-hmm. yeah you know Gary cooper jim Jimmy Stewart was an everyman. And not only did he have unforgettable performances, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Philadelphia, just wonderful, wonderful performances. He played about everything. Yeah. even played bad guys, right? Occasionally he played... This, this
1: is something I wanted to bring up, because I feel like for a long time, the the cultural idea of Jimmy Stewart was... It's Wonderful Life, Mr. Smith to Washington. These, uh, you know, uh, Harvey, you know, very genial guy, and they're great performances. But I do think if you look at like the the, Every Ten Years, the Sight and Sound poll and the ascendance of Vertigo, I think it's – there's been more of a, in retrospect, understanding of his range as an actor because Vertigo, he is kind of an – uh, he's not a great guy in Vertigo, <laughs> yeah. um, and then because uh, I remember when I I was in in college uh, when I went to the Gene Siskel Film Center in Chicago and saw a uh, 1961 or 62 uh, John Ford Western called Two Road Together, where Jimmy Stewart plays a corrupt marshal, um, and it's it was such a shock to my system at that point, and I, and I and I do think that there's been a a, a sort of gradual deepening of the cultural understanding of James Stewart's yeah. Uh, range.
0: I, yeah, I'm sorry. And and the way various – I think because, because he was associated with Capra and he was associated with, like, America and he was us, he was a reflection of us, um, I think because his career started that way, I think that allowed filmmakers like Anthony Mann and Alfred Hitchcock to see, like, Oh, I can do something with this because uh. this is an actor who is associated with this but is willing to not be. And so I'll put him in Rear Window. I'll put him in uh, Vertigo and Rope and these other things. In Anthony Mann – I just recently saw the man from Laramie and I know that he was – did Anthony Mann do um, The Naked Spur? I don't remember. But anyway, uh, but yeah, these, these parts – and uh, The Man Who Shot Li- Liberty Balance, like parts where it's like ah, taking kind of the sheen off of old Jimmy Stewart and uh, – Yes. Okay, and then the the paper that I wrote for my Hitchcock class that is available at Retention dot com is basically about how Alfred Hitchcock used Jimmy Stewart, who we all saw as ourselves, and basically used him as kind of a way of pointing a finger at us about how we are complicit in the crimes of these movies. And it's just now that's how directors are using him. That's not necessarily about him, but uh, but yeah, he was he was just. I feel like he was. You said he was naturalistic. He,
3: he's... he he was a little bigger than he was certainly bigger than a Spencer Tracy. Yeah, but but at the same time, uh, the aw shucks kind of quality that he had. Yeah, he, you know, he wasn't as handsome as a as a Gary Cooper or as Cary Grant. Yeah. He wasn't as handsome as those guys. But but. He became us, and no matter what movie he was, yeah. even the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But you know, I look at first of all, being cast by Alfred Hitchcock, big stamp saying, You are every man. I'm sorry, yeah. whether you're Henry Fonda or Cary Grant or Jimmy Stewart, those guys were his go to guys to be his leading men. Yeah. uh, but also the shootest. At the end, hey, John Wayne's not on the damn That's list. That's true. Yeah, give me I, a break. I, and, <laughs> but in the Shooters, Jimmy Stewart plays the doctor, and I think right. was that their last
0: roles. It was definitely John Wayne's last role, but no, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, he well, I know he did. I know he did a voice in an American Tale, Five Will Goes West. Yes, but uh, as far was as he, live action, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, because he, Jimmy Stewart. Sorry, James Stewart is how he liked to be known. He. Sort of like Gene Hackman did. He he didn't. He retired more or, yeah. or less. Mm-hmm. Um, he and, died in
0: ninety seven, I believe. I think he and yeah. Robert Mitchum died within like two days of each other. That's the thing I happen to remember. Um, um,
1: I also want to point out. We keep mentioning Henry Fonda. Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart very good friends. Despite Henry Fonda being a died in the wool liberal and Jimmy Stewart being a hardcore conservative, yeah. they were very good friends and they uh, bonded over model airplanes. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> Cause that was a thing. <laughs> they would
0: because podcasting wasn't available at the time. <laughs>
1: yeah, they would like make model airplanes <laughs> together.
3: That's adorable. Yeah, <laughs> I think if you take a look at Henry Fonda, who is not on this list, and his speech about uh, in uh, *Grapes of Wrath*, right when when I'll be there, you yeah. know his speech when a guy's yelling, "I'll be there." When the you hear the way fight happens, I'll be there. I'll be there, Mom. I'll be there. Yeah. And then you take a look at Jimmy Stewart's speech in. Mr. Smith goes to Washington, I believed in America. I believed, yeah. you know, when know. you, you, you know, I, this is, a, you know, th- this, <laughs> that speech there. Both of them affect me the same way. Mm-hmm. And there are very few actors that can pull off that stuff without coming across as corny. And, and yeah. they may be corny, but they were corny in the right way to where you go like, I buy it. I buy it all, 100%. And with Jimmy Stewart, I always bought it all, all the time.
0: Yeah, uh, even when he's playing incredibly, whether he's playing like a decent character like Jefferson Smith or a really creepy character uh, like um, Scotty from uh, Vertigo. Um, Yeah, and... Just he he committed fully to his character, and I think an argument could be made because we talked about this with some of these other actors. That like he's always Jimmy, he's always Jimmy Stewart. He's not doing accents or anything like that. Um, But he understood the difference in the characters that he was playing, and he would always try to find he would always try to find the decency. But he also tried to find the truth in these characters and what was really motivating them. And he tried to find the humanity in there. I think he tried to he would look for whatever these characters had in common with himself so that he could sell these characters uh through i think honesty and it's what made the disturbing characters so much more disturbing is cuz they're still so damn relatable and it was just he was before we started recording you were talking about a certain show that uh, we don't want to burn bridges so I won't say what it is but uh you were talking about the show just being like Characters just plodding along and not no, having anything that, said. that discussion. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Jimmy Stewart is a guy who, you know, he, jokes were made about his pauses and just him taking a long time to get where he needed to go. But I'm always just, like, glued to the screen because I'm always, I want to know what he's going to say next. Like, I want to know what his character has to say and what he's going to do. And he's just, you know, I, I was so excited that he wound up being number one. On this list, because it's somebody from classic Hollywood, but he was a guy who was a movie star without being, without being Cary Grant or Humphrey Bogart or James Cagney or any of these other guys.
3: James like, Cagney's <laughs> not on the list. I'm a Yankee true. doodle dandy, one of the great performers. I'll tell you something that like moves me very much. Sitting okay. here tonight, that I'm 65 now, so 55 years ago... I saw Jimmy Stewart, and I thought, he's number one in my Mm -hmm. book. And here I am with Battleship Pretension, (laughs) 55 (laughs) years later, and we're saying, Jimmy Stewart, number one. And there's something moving about that. I think maybe either that Jimmy Stewart did strike a chord of humanity that that kind of spans several generations, and uh, a move that, that, that... his work has endured. Yeah.
1: Well, that's a good place to wrap up this discussion. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for doing this. My Steven. pleasure. This is, this this is, is fun. great. Um, also, not on the list, Edward G. Robinson. Uh, Edward G. <laughs> Robinson! <laughs> um, all right. Um, so uh, you can find us at BattleshipPretension.com. That's where you can find this podcast and i'll end the list so far where you can uh add uh, your uh outrage to you'll brenner <laughs> you'll brenner on the list um you uh you can of course email us at david at battleship pretension.com and tyler at dot com. we're on twitter at uh at davy at davy pretension at tyler pretension tyler uh what's going on at more than one lesson this week
0: oh gosh um let's see when this oh, comes something up something
1: else to plug real quick
0: oh that's true uh so September 24th in Artesia, California is the third Alpha Omega con, which is a Christian comic con. And I'll be doing, uh, two panels there that I will be, uh, moderating and leading. Um, The first is called Rethinking Horror, which uh, I don't know if people are aware of this, but uh, Christians tend not to be big fans of horror movies, Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of trying to approach it from a different angle. Uh, And then The Philosophy of the Dark Knight Trilogy. Um, So I'm very excited to be talking about those. So that'll be uh, September 24th. So go to AlphaOmegaCon.com to look up the details. It's very cheap to go. So if you're in the Southern California area, check that out. And then as far as what's at more than one lesson right now... um, I haven't recorded the episode yet, so hopefully everything goes well between now and then. Um, there's a, a comedian named uh, Adam Yenser that uh, I really enjoy, and okay. he is a Christian. And I'm always fascinated when Christians are in the comedy community.
1: All right. Um, my other podcast is about TV. It's called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. I don't know what's going on this week because I'm taking the week off for my wedding anniversary. Um, but uh, there are only a couple of episodes left in this show as we know it before yeah. it goes on hey this and I bring it back without Paul. Uh, who is retiring mm-hmm. to Arizona? So um, that's hey. Watch this, Stephen. Where on the internet can people find you?
3: I'm 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 gonna push three things. Okay, three okay. things. Uh, Tobolowski files is still out there, and I've written. I'm working on another one. I've got three that I'm about to record. So we have 72 hours out there. Nice, and you could find them over at slashfilm dot com. Uh, 72 different episodes. And, of course, they're on iTunes as well. But I love that Slash Film has them all in order all the way back to the beginning. That's one. Two, my two storytelling movies. Uh, Stephen Tobolowski's Birthday Party, right. which is at stbpmovie.com. That's initials for Stephen Tobolowski's Birthday Party. <laughs> stbpmovie.com. And that's a wonderful documentary where I do a bunch of stories. And now I have a new storytelling concert film that's out primary instinct right and i got it on amazon so it's it's out there on amazon and i believe it's on hulu now they sold it to hulu david chin our old buddy david chin he directed it and it's a concert film of me in seattle and i i find it quite quite thrilling
1: all right That's, that's terrific um, I have a signed copy of Stephen Tobolowsky's birthday party. Uh, <laughs>
0: and we get um, we gave one away for a donation drive no, a long no, time that's ago. That's right. Which I remember you dropped off at my house. That's right. And I was uh I was just like watching TV and then I uh, glanced outside and I said, like, oh, it looks like Stephen Tobolowsky. And I just and I thought Hey, wait a second. And I looked over and yeah, there you were. I was like, I wasn't expecting to see him outside my house. Uh, That's weird. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was delightful.
1: Uh, Thank you again, Steven.
3: My pleasure, guys. My pleasure.
1: Thank you at home for listening.
3: We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.
1: (laughs)